Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of the Herd Main Show. I'm your Herd Leader, John Wayne. And I'm your Herd Mom, Megan. And today we have a really fun show. We have, of course, we actually have some news to talk about. Some things were dropped. It is uh, the week after May 4th, so of course some uh, stuff has to happen on Star Wars Day. Uh, and so we have some things to run over in the news, but we also have a special guest joining us, Kevin Scott. Uh, if you don't know, if you've lived under a rock and don't know who that is, he is the author of Dooku Jedi Lost and a yeah. lot of other great stuff. And so we have a lot of fun talking to him. And uh, yeah, so uh, really. That's about it? Yeah, without further ado, if you want to hit us with some news. news. John, we've got video game news that's not Battlefront 2. Yeah. It's lovely. Uh, not that Battlefront 2 isn't lovely itself. There is... There was quite the news story about that, uh, but we can talk about that later. Um, so the EU did a great interview with the creators behind Vader EW. Immortal. EW. EU is the expanded universe. Oh, EW hush. is the magazine company. The EU uh, did a great interview with the creators behind Vader Immortal, and along with it, some good conversation. Uh, we also get an awesome poster, obviously featuring Vader, but also our droid companion, a Mustafarian, and a mysterious and evil sciency looking imperial officer, and a couple stormtroopers to top it all off. Yeah, um, I thought that the article was really good. Um, I thought there was a lot of fun conversation there, and uh, they show the poster at the end of the article, but they also throughout show off some really high-res looks at uh, some points in the game, as well as Vader's castle, and mm -hmm. a few other things. So, uh, I recommend finding it. Um, Star Wars and EA Star Wars uh, have all shared it and whatnot. So if you want to know more about the game or if you want to get more excited, if you haven't really had anything get you excited for this game, I think the article has been the best look yet, even better than the mm -hmm. Celebration panel, honestly. Yeah. Um, so remember, this is a VR game. Um, if you don't like VR, this may not be your cup of tea, but who knows what the future holds for, you know, Vader Immortal and video games of this ilk. Um, and the new VR Oculus Quest untethered headset, uh, they're both out on May 21st. So, yeah. yeah, any thoughts about the poster in the interview? Um, well, like I said, the interview, it's, it's a really good look at some of the game and not really a whole lot in the details of gameplay. Like, they don't talk about, like, what enemies you face or like but they do talk a lot about the story and kind of their progress in developing it mm -hmm. so yeah I, like i said i mean we we, we shared we talked about a, a good bit how bummed we were about the, how the panel felt mm -hmm. um you know the most energy was when they showed the trailer and then it just felt like nothing was really yeah popping there um so this article was really nice because some of it's the same information, a lot of it's new, and uh, I just, I, no, I mean, you're not getting anything necessarily about the game. Yeah. Like, the, you're not finding spoilers of the story or anything, you're just hearing about what's going into making it. And I think that, I, I, I think that's great, and that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited about it. Yeah. The poster, I think, is cool, um, very Star Wars-y feel, it feels kind of like the film poster kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um... I like the good look we get at the Imperial because he's who I'm interested in, you know, because yeah. if Vader lets him hang around the castle, he's got to be an interesting guy 
um, and mm-hmm. the Mustafarian looks like we saw some stuff at the panel and I think they talked about it there too it seems like you free a Mustafarian and they lead you to their clan and you learn a bit more about their culture mm-hmm. um, from sort of this like Mustafarian shaman woman yeah. so which is exciting because we don't really know much about that race. Right. I mean, you see them working in um, Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. You see them getting killed by Vader in the Vader's Castle comics. Yeah. So there's really not a lot we know of them, uh, but they're very interesting. And so taking the opportunity to learn more about this species ha- that happened to share a planet with Darth Vader, I think is a really interesting way to take it. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and they, of course, at the bottom, they have the tagline for this whole thing, which is, fate has chosen you. And what they keep coming mm-hmm. back to in the article is that question of why. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to be asking, apparently, throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Why. There's a really cool, I can't tell if it's concept art or if it's from uh, the trailer or gameplay, but um, it actually shows Vader interacting with a monolith type uh, structure that seems similar to what we see in uh, the Vader's Castle comics that he uses. And if you don't know about that, I'm not going to spoil what that is, but it might explain why the name of it is Vader Immortal. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'm, I'm very, 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 very curious because, you know, and of course they're not giving any leeway into, well, why? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm deeply curious. Yeah. Um, And a little bit about what I said earlier. Um, So, a U.S. Senator is introducing a legislation bill to ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions in games played by minors. Mm Quote-unquote. And this was shared by Kotaku earlier. And guess what the main photo that they chose to be on Uh, the front? Is it Battlefront? It's Battlefront. Guys, they've moved... I talk like they people wave. on the other side of the mo- microphone are yeah. pushing for the... Uh, they now, move past. Here, I mean, you know, and, and that I think can be ignorance on their part. The, mm-hmm. the people... I, I think the bill is legit. Yeah. Um, never it's did I think... incredibly important. Uh, yeah, I never did I think this kind of thing would be coming to politics involved in gaming. Yeah, but uh, it's 2019. The world is changing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it's just, I mean, it can sound like a just butt hurt, like, just pay mm-hmm. the money. Like, but no, it's ridiculous to have to be forced into microtransactions in order to just advance in the game. Not even get, like, legit, like, high-caliber stuff. I can get mm-hmm. paying for legendary items or big stuff, but for a lot of the basic stuff, the microtransactions are ridiculous. Um, now, I never even thought that Battlefront was that bad. Yeah. I've seen much worse. Yes. Um, and people like to talk about Galaxy of Heroes as well. I play that without having to spend anything in mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, y- you can do it with certain games. I've seen much, much, much more debilitating microtransaction games. Yeah. Um, I think it's wise that they're addressing and saying, like, this is ridiculous. When, you're tra- mi- yeah. when your primary audience is minors who have no income, mm-hmm. you know, and why create your central form of gaming around that mm-hmm. that's stupid um i i think that people are going to weaponize that but at the end of the day we can't stop that yeah so i mean eh, i mean i i know how i feel about battlefront 
Yes. I, I recognize, and I know plenty of people that recognize the advancements they've made to be uh, receptive to fan feedback. They mm -hmm. continue to do that. And that's not that we fans get exactly what we want. Because if we get exactly what we want, then I would have certain maps that I like from the first Battlefront game or certain game modes that I think would be interesting. But at the end of the day, it's not my game. It's it's a it's a game for thousands, I mean really hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. So, but listening to the fans is not giving the fans every little wish list thing. Mm -hmm. it, but it is hearing the critical feedback of what's keeping you from playing this. What mm -hmm. would make you play this more? And usually, you know, I mean, in the, in the initially it came down to that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, and I, I will admit, we have not read the article. We don't know the full, you know, story behind why they may have chosen, you know, Battlefront as their, but it was probably to get clicks. Well, and it could just be ignorance. I mean, it could just, yeah. I mean, at one point, yeah, micro, microtransactions were a thing in Battlefront, but they quickly got rid of them. They've made a lot of advancements to change. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's unfair to use that because I think it spits in the face of all of the developers who have done so yeah. much to get rid of that stuff and make it a fan's game. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's also the people who are constantly on Twitter just berating the people who are trying to ask them, hey, what can we do better? Right. When you're constantly give us old Obi Wan Kenobi. Exactly. When you're constantly give us screaming things that you want, there's give no us dialogue. Nice window, like, like what's happening right now. <laughs> well, but the, I mean, and that's what every comment section. Yeah. Like these, you know, and it's not even on all official channels. Like it, can, it's not even, you know, personal accounts. Mm -hmm. These guys are just saying, "Hey, we're doing this. Just you know, be on the yeah. lookout." And being like berated mm -hmm. for like, "Where's this character? Why don't you do this? Y'all don't really love the fans," and it's just like. They're doing their best. Right. Like, do you, you not see the think. work that they are doing? Exactly. And it's not just these guys. It's whole teams of people. They have to go through, you know, development. They well, have to go not, through all these licensing issues. Well, and the team that works with Battlefront isn't even a huge team. Mm -hmm. EA has a huge team. Yes. EA Star Wars is a whole different brand. Mm -hmm. And it's got its own team. So, it's not even just that you can put on... Like, they're a big company, but... Star Wars is just a part of what EA does. Yeah. Like now, EA in other games that they have are much worse than Battlefront yes. was. So, like, but that's the muddy thing. Now, at the end of the day, I you know, as far as it relates to Battlefront, I don't think it does. Yeah. Because, like I said, they've moved so far past that mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. So yeah, or in the last year. Uh, so I I don't I don't know why they would they chose that, but yeah, clicks. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't like Battlefront, then go play the old one. Exactly. You know, like, if you don't like the new Battlefront, or if you don't like either, just go play Force Unleashed, or whatever you want to play. Yeah. Stop creating campaigns to destroy things that people actually enjoy just because yeah. you don't, like, goodness if, gracious. If you think the new Star Wars games suck and, you know, Star Wars games aren't fun anymore, go, go play, play Elder Scrolls. Well, also or that, that whatever. I mean, yeah. Because yeah, obviously like, you're apparently not a fan. And that's Star Wars fine, games. but like, you know, you don't have to destroy what others love because you don't love it. Exactly. Like, goodness gracious. Stop putting people down because they like something that you don't. Anyway, before yeah. we get too mad, let's go to comic news. Yeah. Something that we like. Uh, so out this week, Doctor Afro number thirty-two and Asia Rebellion of Boba Fett. Yay! First Boba Fett centric comic in nearly ten years. Yeah. Holy goodness. Do you know who um, wrote this one? 
Huh? Do you know who wrote this one? Um, I don't. I uh, follow the guy that did the art. It's the same guy that did the art for the um, IG-88 special. Mm-hmm. Um, that art was beautiful. Yeah, I, I love the art that they use because it feels... Like, I grew up on the D... The, not DC. The uh, the Dark Horse comics. Yeah. That was, they had the Star Wars license for what seemed like my entire childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. I loved the art style. And mm-hmm. it felt like the characters, you know. It felt like the universe, you know. Oh, but yeah. it also felt like comics. Oh, yeah. Dark Horse has got this great, like, gritty... Uh, Kind of messy style that I absolutely well, yeah, they're, love. They're, they're, they're always very hard on, not like, they're not beating the artist to death to get something the way, but it is like, this is our mm-hmm. style, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I love that. And I love when Star Wars comics just get comfortable and do that because I'm mm-hmm. in that crowd. I don't like what they've been doing with the Star Wars main run comic yeah. art. I. It's just not good mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you can only trace over the same s- scene of a person's face so many freaking times and yeah. I want to appreciate the work that they do to do that mm-hmm. but in terms of <clears throat> what I like seeing in my comics it's not that Yeah, because I mean I can probably in five issues point out the same face they used for Leia, Han, Luke and it can tell you exactly what scene from the films it comes from, and they keep using it. And it's just, I don't like the look of it. It's yeah. not a movie. It's not animation. It doesn't need to look exactly like them. Mm-hmm. Like, just have fun with the art style. I just, I, yeah. Ugh. It's. I, I appreciate, yeah. again, I have to say, I appreciate the work that goes in. Mm-hmm. I, I, I recognize the work. It's still legitimate artwork. Oh, absolutely. I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how people can look at works like, you know, Mike Mignola, his his beautiful art style, or like Alan Moore, who is the great mind behind, you know, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Watchmen, I think, and V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. And look at all of the art and all the beauty within those pages, which I know he works with an artist, but... I, I don't know the artist's name, but I know mm-hmm. Alan Moore's name. But, like, it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How could you not recognize that as real art? Yeah, I mean, and, and I like... The, the, the reasons you point out, though, and the reasons I like all of them and their works is because mm-hmm. it's not just painting... Exactly. Trying trying to look like the most realistic mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's like, it is is it, it it is a little out there and abstract. Yeah. And I it, that's why I like it. That's why I like Hayden Sherman's stuff mm-hmm. with wasted space. I might be wrong about Alan Moore working on Watchmen, but I'm not going to correct myself. <laughs> so, someone out there will do it. I'll Google it later. Um, you know, Casper uh, Wingard does great art that's not always clean mm-hmm. and. It, I think we need yeah. to do more of that. And that's that's why, like, in other areas, they're doing that with mm-hmm. Star Wars comics. I just wish it would reach the main run of comics. Yeah, I mean... I don't know why. I loved the art style for Tales from Vader's Castle. Like, we talked about that a mm-hmm. little bit um, earlier, and we're probably going to bring it up with Kevin Scott. Uh, like, we absolutely love the art style. Yeah, well, he worked well, with a special. Yeah, he worked with a special artist for the stories, the mm-hmm. 
part where they're just wandering to the castle was the usual artist, which I've... Yeah. I, I know I follow her, but I can't remember her name. But it's got a very um, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Uh, especially with females. Mm-hmm. It's got that... And I don't mean that in, like, curves or anything. Like, it's all the face. Yeah. It's this. It's a thing I can't explain, but mm-hmm. you see it, and it looks like Harley Quinn, or it looks like Poison Ivy, and it's just... She feels like she belongs in DC mm-hmm. uh, style. Um, Which is great. I love that art style. Yeah. Well, I mean, they started with Batman, they went to Superman, then they went to Justice League. It dominated for so long mm-hmm. what animation looked like. So. Yeah. But anyway. Um, we've, we've gone off track. The art's beautiful because the art is pretty much all you get. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of dialogue, and I love that they sh- do that because they messed up with Boba Fett in from a certain point of view and made him way too dang talkative which is your opinion and yes i i just don't think the character is that talkative Mm -hmm. uh and i think that's where it messed up is because they just kept coming up with things to say for the character i'm just like that doesn't sound like it sounds like jodo cast more than boba fett and both you know people that know boba fett stories will know what i mean by that um yeah in this you know the art's celebrated because the art's the main thing it's just a lot of Boba doing his thing and mm-hmm. not a lot of dialogue. Yep. Um, also, in the newly revealed Journey to the Rise of the Skywalker. Journey to the Rise of Skywalker. Yes. Journey to Tross. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we're getting a couple of comics, including an unnamed Star Wars Adventures issue uh, and a four-issue series called Star Wars Allegiance by Ethan Sachs beginning on October 9th. And running each week in October. So it sounds like alongside Tales from Vader's... The, the Return to Tater... To, uh, <laughs> return to Taters, I love The that. Return to Vader's Castle, uh, we'll be getting uh, Star Wars Allegiance mm-hmm. each week of October. Which is in- interesting. Yeah. And it, it, it's about, on you know, on the run since the destruction of Starkiller Base, General Leia and the remaining handful of resistance have barely managed to survive, much less strike back against the superior forces of the First Order. Running low on options, Rey decide, er, Leia decides <laughs> to reach out to her former allies, the Mon Calamari, whose shipyards once powered the Rebel Alliance. Mon Calamari, you say? So this kind of already kind of gives us maybe a hint that we'll see Mon Cala ships yeah. in 9. We'll see them a little rebuilt in 9. Hopefully. So... Who's the king? Huh? Who's the king? Uh, good question by this point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. That would be an interesting bit of dialogue. I like, I like that they're working to fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all sounding exciting. I mean, we're going to talk more about yeah. that in the book news. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be lovely to get a little piece of dialogue from Leia, like, thank you, King Ahi. <laughs> Ahi Tuner. Yeah. Uh, so, book news, Star Wars last week gave us our first look at Journey to the Rise of Skywalker series of books. I got it that time. Yes. Uh, Resistance Reborn releases on November 12th, 2019 by Rebecca Roanhorse, Poe Dameron, uh, General Leia Organa, Rey, and Finn must struggle to rebuild the Resistance after their defeat at the hands of the First Order in Star Wars The Last Jedi. So, some more, uh, uh so... With um, Allegiance, it sounds like it may be a little Leia-focused. Yeah, which this, I'm good with. Yeah, and this sounds like it's pretty much the team working together a little bit. You know, it sounds like everybody's there working. The dream team. Um, 
so yeah, more more filling out, more mm-hmm. of that. All right, what we're gonna get a really good idea of what our uh-huh. resistance folks are gonna look like in nine based on these stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Scott is doing another choose your own adventure uh, novel featuring Finn and Poe out on October fourth. Uh, join Finn, Poe, and BB-8 on a dangerous but necessary mission for struggling resistance. With over 20 possible outcomes, readers will have to choose carefully in order to keep Finn, Poe, and BB-8 safe from the evil First Order. And don't worry, we're going to ask Cavan about Project Luminous. <laughs> Who knows what he's That has to. nothing to do with this. I guarantee it's got everything to do with Empire Strikes Back. I know. You skipped one, though. Yes, I did. Uh, Justina Ireland is working on... Nope. What? You skipped one. I skipped one. Skipped oh, one. Force Collector <laughs> by Kevin Chinnick is out um, on November nineteenth in his in this journey to Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, young adult novel. Uh, it's set just before the Force Awakens. A restless teenager sets out to discover what connection his mysterious Force powers have to the fabled Jedi and what the Force has in store for him. So, um. This is one of the more interesting ones because it doesn't seem really connected to any of our normal stuff or heroes. Yeah. So, but I saw this and I just instantly thought, hey, what if he has the force reading power that Quinlan Boss has? Yeah. And the whole story is when he finds these objects, you know, he touches them and we see their history where, yeah. you know. Um, That'd be fun. What you know? What if that's how we tell the story? Is you know, him collecting this junk and telling it. And, and at one instance, it looks like he might have a lightsaber. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm really curious about this one. This because this is the most out there. This is the one where it's like I see how every other one of these plays into something we might see in nine. This one, I just I'm I, I'm wondering how it's going to set up for nine because it's 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 mm-hmm. about journeying to episode nine so it's like hmm because yeah. it i mean it said even before the force awakens so it's gonna be interesting i am curious about this one yeah well now justina ireland yes is writing spark of resistance which is out on october 4th as well uh when a distress please plea goes up from the planet minfar resist resist <laughs> ray poe and rose hear the call Heck yes, we're getting Rose. Woo! So this this sounds like it's a little bit further than maybe Resistance Reborn or even maybe Star Wars Allegiance. Those mm-hmm. sound like they could be like right after 8. Yeah. This seems like it might be a little bit further ahead. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, together they will face down a First Order Battalion, terrifying flying creatures, and a weapon that could change the course of the war. I like this because, and I like all, I like the sound of all of these. Yeah. Um, I like these that really are opening the scope where it's like, hey, we know about the First Order. We know about what they've got going on. Yeah. They're like, we're not fighting in the shadows. We're not like, like this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is much more open now. And I think that's yeah. such a realm of possibility for storytelling now and after Episode 9. Because yeah. just because it's ending film-wise, the Skywalker saga, don't that doesn't necessarily mean it has to stop storytelling throughout mm-hmm. the Skywalker. I mean... Uh, there's there's no reason that that mm-hmm. has to stop. There's still so many gaps to fill. I mean, we just got a a novel that was set before episode one. We, we just yeah got we got two radio series uh, oh, audio series. Right. Okay, yeah. sorry, it's not a novel. It's an audio drama. I get. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, 
set before episode one as well. So, like, there's still gaps to be filled in, like you were saying. Yes. Yes. We still don't know how many Bothans died. <laughs> That's Rogue 2. Many, many Bothans. Um, yeah, and you can check out StarWars.com for the full breakdown. There's a lot more. Mm-hmm. But it's stuff, there's like read and plays, there's puzzle books, there's coloring books, there's, they're including a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, from, they, these are the story heavy ones. Yeah, there, that's why there's we, more. Right, that's why we, because these are probably the ones we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, so these are the ones we mentioned. But if you want to check out the full details, if you've got younglings that you want um, to get books for leading up to nine, they have those yes. for you. So there you go. <laughs> Mommy, there's so many books. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Uh, there have, yeah, burning was, books is illegal, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is indeed. Uh, Don't burn the education, folks. Exactly, and burning books just mm, no. Nah, I'm not gonna get into that right now. Anyway, so probably the biggest news. Probably the biggest news that happened on Twitter. Just random. Just random. Just dropped in the middle of the day. Yep. Yeah, but everybody was talking about it. Yeah, like we missed out until like. Yeah, about an hour after it happened. Yeah, we, we were we were because we're at, we're out of town. We're at a work conference, and so it kind of dropped. And then we yeah. saw it later, and we're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah." We were talking about how we can reach these kids, and yeah. then like all of a sudden, Star Wars. We reach these kids with Star Wars, exactly, um, which we do. So, film and TV news. We actually yeah. have something to put there for, for right now. We got dates for the next three as of yet unnamed Star Wars films. December 16th, 20, 2022. Yes. Uh, December 20th, 2024. And December 18th, 2026. Yeah. So, every two years. Uh, yeah. I, um, or every other year. Yeah, every yeah. other year. Um, that doesn't definitively say that there's not going to be something in between. Yes. Um, they may go back to these. We may finally the, know how many Bothans died. <laughs> they may go back to the, you know, what they did with Rogue One and Solo, kind of the in-between mm-hmm. stories. Which I'm fine with. Um, because if they're announcing these together, this sounds like the next trilogy. Yes. So I can imagine they could do something in between those mm-hmm. if they still choose to do that. I, and, I don't know how yeah. they're feeling after Solo. Because Kathleen Kennedy even mentioned, like, that really... We really sat and talked about that after Solo. Yeah. So, are you okay if it's just these three, or would you would you rather the kind of back to back but with independence in between? I mean, it depends. Like, is the Mandalorian going to be a long term series? I imagine it is. Well, we know it's at least going into season two because I mean exactly. they they're clearly saying season one now. They're not mm-hmm. just saying the Mandalorian. Yeah. So it, it already sounds yeah. like they're in talks for another season. Yeah, if we've got, you know, we've which got is, The Mandalorian is. going on, as well as the Cassian Andor show. <laughs> I love that we don't have a title for it, so we're just calling it The Cassian Show. Which I imagine it's going to have a theme song like that. Yeah. I wonder, that's actually a good question, what are they going to call it? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, 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 I've thought of, like, Spark of Hope, something like that, but that would be a See, I was even thinking just Rogue. I mean, I feel like that would be... It'd be a little on the nose. But but that's kind of his job. He's kind of the go undercover, do the bad stuff, 
you know, do the hard stuff. Like, he's not not a front-line soldier. He's an espionage Mm -hmm. soldier. You know, he's a spy. It's, you know, one of those things that's like rogue that it kind of describes that realm. I mean... And let's be honest, it's going to be the K2 show. (laughs) Right. I, I... I don't know. It's that's a good question, but um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, the way they set it up. I mean, here's the thing: we still have two years till the first one, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, you know, we get this in 2019. We got 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we've got time. Yeah. For those shows, because mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think I think next fall is when we're getting Cassian, honestly. Yeah. If they don't, if they hold back on it and don't say anything until um, celebration, yeah, next year, then that's probably another fall release next year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I kind of I'm gonna miss the you know dumps of Star Wars every Christmas, mm-hmm. but I mean it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I mean you know there is a lot of stuff going on. I'll buy you a Darth Vader waffle maker for Christmas. Oh, that makes everything better. Of course it does. Uh, Now, uh, do you think this is Benioff and Weiss, or do you think this is Ryan Johnson? I hope, I hope it's Ryan Johnson. I think it's Ryan Johnson because Benioff and Weiss have said like they uh, they have had to finish Game of Thrones first before they even start on Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So, I I know they have a concept submitted. Obviously, if they got the job. Yeah. But the only one that's probably had time to work on enough stuff for them to be like, oh yeah, let's, let's put that out in two years, mm-hmm. is got to be Ryan Johnson. Right. Because again, the, Benioff and Weiss, they always make it sound like they're not working on anything until after Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So After the whole Starbucks cup fiasco. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Old Republic? Let's hope so. Old Republic! You heard it here, guys. Heard Mom Megan going on record saying it is. She's, she's got a credible source. It uh, It is going to be Ryan Johnson with The Old Republic coming in 2022, December 16th. Look for it. My, my credible source needs to take a nap. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Wasn't there something Galaxy's Edge-ish? Uh, we passed by Disney Springs today and saw nothing. We smelled the air, and it smelled kind of like sand, so maybe... Huh. I, th- I thought there was something Galaxy's Edge out there. Uh, anyway, well, um, yeah, we're going to get into the interview with Kevin and enjoy that. It is a bit of a long interview, so hopefully you don't mind, but I think it's yeah. a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of good topic. Oh, yeah, we could have gone much longer. But, um, yeah, we do have links for If you still have not, if you are lame and have not gotten Dooku Jedi Lost... We have a link for you to get that. We also have a link for you to get uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Just because, okay, yeah. that's a good. It looks like a good game, mm-hmm. and, and you should give it a chance. Yeah. So we're giving you a link uh, where you can pre-order all of that uh, on uh, Amazon. So check the description in the box. We're also going to have our other ads that we thank you for being always patient and listening to because uh, that helps support the show. Um, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And no Q and A today, so. Well, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. With Kevin. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 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 Let's go. Well, guys, uh, we are very glad to have uh, the amazing author behind Dooku Jedi Lost and a ton of other Star Wars and sci-fi and so much more, uh, Kevin Scott. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. 
Um, we are immensely grateful to have you with us, and we're looking forward to learning a little bit more about you and definitely uh, the work that you do. Um, that's kind of what brings us all together is uh, our seeming love for Star Wars. And, and yes. um, so um, why don't we start up with a few warm-up questions to kind of help us get to know you as a fan a bit. Yes. Okay. So our first question is, do you have a favorite Star Wars moment from the films? <sighs> there are so many. <laughs> so such a, that's such a tough question. Um, one of them that always gives me a, a, a thrill, um, I'm a chill in, in a lot of ways, is, is all the time with, um, obviously in the, the distant past, before we had DVDs and downloads and things, so the only way to really, really, really relive these films were the um, the books and tapes so you, you read along and it told you when to turn the page and R2 would whistle and mm -hmm. I remember listening to that and um, and it was the moment where um, the Emperor announces in Return of the Jedi that it's a fully operational battle station and I, there's just something about that moment that at the time I remember it from being sitting in the cinema and being just told like, oh no um, and then hearing it again and again and again on the on the LP and on on, on this little book and tape thing, um, I don't know why. It's, I think it's, it's not. It's, it's one of those moments. It's not an iconic moment, really, in a sense. But it's, it's a moment that sort of like it reminds me what it's like to have that moment where the rug is pulled out from underneath you in Star Wars, um, and you realise that the heroes are going to have to try that little bit harder. Mm -hmm. So that's probably a, that's probably a pure nostalgia moment. Um, that I keep coming back to, and I, I, it just it reminds me so much, um, so much of, the, uh, of that time of being a kid and being excited. And my first film was Empire. Return of the Jedi was just sort of the film where I'd already become a fan. Mm -hmm. um, so everything about that film just you know, sums up for me that, that sort of um, mindset of being, you know, a, a young kid. Mm -hmm. um, watching that film for the first time of going back and seeing your heroes on the That's mm -hmm. awesome. And, and sometimes, you know, that it, it's, it's just about that time capsule that it creates for you. Um, exactly, that, yeah. that transports you back to when Star Wars was just Star Wars. Because um, I think definitely for us and, and for a lot of fans, as years go by, um, you can almost just lose those really fun moments and you feel like you have to like the super deep or super developed moments. And sometimes it could just be that fun thing that reminds you of, being in the movie theater, seeing it for the first time, or yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and you know, um, and yeah, there are obviously there's obviously very profound moments, they're very beautiful moments, um, but yeah, I, I also like those moments when you sit and you see and sit and watch it with friends, mm -hmm. um, and you know there's a laugh coming between you. You're all going to laugh. I mean, one of the moments, which is a classic, is is um, when the Falcon gets pulled into the Death Star and Chewie and Han and Luke are in the, uh, in the smuggler bays mm -hmm. and you see Chewie's head pop up and you just think, well, how, how deep is that bay? <laughs> but you know that at that point everyone's going to laugh and I've seen that uh, a couple of times on the big screen in the last year um, which both of them was wonderful, um, wonderful experience seeing it again on the big screen um, and both times knowing that moment was coming and knowing that the laugh would, would follow and it's that thing again of coming together with a group of fans and loving those films so much and, 
there in that moment. Um, so it's not a big moment, it's not a big dramatic moment, but it, it's a moment that we all we can all share a laugh and a smile about. And I think that's sometimes just as important as, as you say, than those sort of deep, um, meaningful moments you get in the saga as well. Definitely, and, and, and that's what keeps it all balanced. Fun with the deep and, and all of that. Exactly. Right? It's wonderful. Exactly. Um, so another warm-up before we get into it. Uh, do you have a favorite character from Star Wars? I've sort of blown it, really, with Chewbacca. I mean, it's, um, he, he was always one of my favorites, um, mm-hmm. way back from being a kid and watching it. Um, but what has made him even more... Um, endeared him even more to me is the fact that my youngest daughter Connie has totally and utterly um, converted to the, the Church of Chewy. Now, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think my uh, mother is a pastor in the Church of Chewy uh, oh, as well. Yes. Um, we need to make this a real thing. You do realize that. Now. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, that's you know such a legacy um, left by the character of Chewbacca that's still going on, nice. but also you know Peter um, embodying that and the, those characteristics. Um, I remember, like you know, when I was. When I was a kid, that was that, that was my barometer of how how much of a friend is someone. You know, I had the Chewy scale. Um, yes. You know, they were either an Ewok or a Wookie, and and so, uh, yeah, Chew, Chewy's awesome, and he gives the best hugs it's too. True. <laughs> he does. He does. And you know, there's, there's only two. Um, whenever someone says the word pal, I even think think of Han and Chewy or Batman and Robin. And so you know, again, as friendship scales go, they're pretty. You know, it's pretty good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So now we'll go a little bit into about you and your work. Uh-huh. Uh, what was your writer's journey, and how did it lead you to Star Wars? Um, well, I was—I always wanted to be a writer. I, I used to write um, fan fiction before fan fiction was probably the, the phrase we used. Um, <laughs> yeah. Over here in the UK, Doctor Who was a massive part of growing up. It's probably it's just as huge as Star Wars was for me. Um, and before the internet, before um, you know, being able to share fan fiction online, we had a, a, a thriving fanzine um, scene with, with with Doctor Who, and I used to very dutifully write up my little short stories, type them up, send them off, and hope they would be chosen for one of the fanzines. And so that was my first sort of taste of published life or published work. Um, and eventually, when I decided I had to go and get a job, I became a 
years now, but before it came back in 2005, mm-hmm. it was a period of time when no one was really making Doctor Who. The BBC definitely wasn't making it. I don't think they had any uh, inclination to make it at that time. Um, and a group of fans got together and got the license off of them to do audio dramas. Um, and for a, a tiny figure, I think, when you think of what the industry Doctor Who is now, um, and they persuaded some of the original actors to come back as the Doctors and the Companions and started to put together these audio dramas every month um, with the original cast, new stories. Um, and I pitched with a, a friend of mine, Mark Wright, we pitched to, to write one of the stories and miraculously got through the slush pile. Um, and it sort of went from there, really. So that story came out in 2001, I think it was. Um, more audios followed. And from that, it was the... It was a bit of sort of a rolling stone. It started to gather more and more things, and I started to have offers to write more and more Doctor Who and then other franchises as well, to the point that it became a second career. Um, I was still a magazine journalist and eventually editor. And then, wonderfully, it got to the point that I could sort of um, make this my full-time job. Um, and I, I, I started... I went freelance in 2010, and it's been um, leading this way ever since. Um and then Star Wars came about because I'd written a series of um, junior novels based on the computer game Skylanders, um, which mm. was a computer game a few years back. Um, I wrote the original novels based on those, and um, they were quite successful over here, and I think in the States as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and around that time, sort of three, four years ago, Egmont in the UK were looking to launch um, the Adventures in Wild Space series, and we're looking for writers mm-hmm. who... Um, written books around a similar kind of length of sort of like middle grade chapter books um, and my name was put forward and so I had to do an audition piece I'm not really believing that anyone would hire me to write um, Star Wars at all um, and and miraculously got the job um, and that was it and then I, I've really not stopped since then I've been writing Star Wars increasingly they made a joke at one point that they want me to be um, spending every hour of the day writing Star Wars and they're almost getting to that point <laughs> it seems to be um, and I'm, I'm definitely not complaining oh no yeah. well and, and ne- neither are we we love seeing um, your name on Star Wars work especially but um, yeah uh, Wild Space those, those novels are ones I often use as an example of how across borders Star Wars storytelling can be because yes. I, I love those and um, when I was in a period where I was looking for more Star Wars stuff to read, those were recommended to me, and I let it sit for a while because I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, well, that's not, it doesn't sound like it'd be my language, and then I read them, and they're wonderful and fun, and the characters are so deeply explored, and, and you, you find yourself so quickly being along this journey with them, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really felt like, and, and what I like to, you know, preach to people is that, you know, it, it, it's only a different language or if it's, it's only a different level if you let it be. Um, yeah. and, and those, those were some of the first things that I, I read that I discovered, uh, your work and, and they're just wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and, and that's really good to hear. I mean, similarly, um, with the other thing that I think up to recently I've been most, um, well known for in Star Wars, which is Star Wars Adventures, the IDW mm-hmm. comic series, we're very careful to say that those comics and also the, the novels for Adventures in Wild Space, that they're all ages rather than being for kids. You know, So the, the idea is that we literally want them to be that, that the, uh, a kid can definitely pick them up and 
little bit challenging every now and then, but you know that's what some kids' books need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then adults, um, teens, adults can also pick them up and enjoy it. And we want it to be the kind of storytelling that um, ages can join to enjoy together. So you know, obviously, when you've got a series like Adventures in Wild Space, part of the um, aim for it was to have stories that would be read together at, at, at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's some of the best response you can get is to hear that that's actually happening. Um, and we get the same things for Star Wars Adventures as well. Stories that you know kids can read on their own, but they can also read with adults, or indeed adults can read on their own if they want to as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I think Star Wars, while it has got you know, can be, be at all different levels, um, at its heart, George Lucas always said it was a, a series for the 12 year old in all of us. And mm-hmm. I think we need to remember that. And yes, there should definitely be Star Wars that is aimed at um, old readers. And, you know, I've been writing some of that recently and it's been very exciting. Um, but I don't think we should ever forget that, you know, that it's also a franchise that should be enjoyed by everyone. Absolutely. Um, and so some of our other favorite work by you uh, was last October's Tales from Vader's Castle. Uh, yes. which uh, we're actually getting a sequel to this year. We were super excited about that announcement because we yes. weren't really expecting that. Um, we like Star Wars. We like spooky stuff, too. What what was the, the process, and what was it like for you writing spooky Star Wars stories like that? Um, so the inspiration of it came from um, Michael Seglane of Lucasfilm Publishing um, and myself. We're both big Hammer horror fans and Universal mm-hmm. horror fans, and so... It doesn't take long for us to be sitting in a room before the conversation turns to Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee mm-hmm. um, or their ilk. Um, and of course, when you've got both Lee and Cushing, you have the links into Star Wars as well. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were mucking around with ideas of, you know, could we do a Christopher Lee um, Camp Dooku vampire story? Would that ever be allowed? Um, and it started, you know, almost as a bit of a joke, really. And then we suddenly looked at each other and actually, this is this could really work, you know, a Star Wars Halloween special, and from the special it sort of grew into a miniseries and, and became Tales of Vader's Castle, and um, obviously, yeah, the Dooku story's in there when we have uh, Count Dooku, the Prince of Darkness, and, um, and from that we started to, you know, um, say, well, what, kind, what other horror films could we reinterpret as, as, um, as Star Wars? And again, we wanted it to be... Um, an all-age comic, so it could be something that's slightly scary, because kids like to be scared, um, but also they, they could read with their, their parents, or if their parents are too scared, they can read with their children. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and the response for it were, was was phenomenal, so um, the announcement was made at Celebration um, that we were doing Return to Vader's Castle, and you, you said it was a surprise. We only confirmed that was happening a few hours before the panel, so that really? was... Um, that was really, really, I mean, we had the logo and that was pretty much it. And we didn't know that morning, I woke up not knowing if we were going to announce it or not. So, um, wow. so yeah, so at the minute I'm, I'm working on Return to Vader's Castle at the minute, putting together plans, um, and we'll be starting work on it proper, very, properly very, very soon. That's awesome. Yeah, that that was, we, we talked up that series for a while, um, because yeah, I mean, and 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 ham the 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 golden age of of horror film, classic horror films and whatnot. That's kind of like our bread and butter aside from this the, yeah. the sci-fi of Star Wars and so forth. Um, and I think that was one thing I I loved about the series was the stories, but also 
the art, um, especially oh, yeah. in in uh, the Dooku story, that really felt Hammer. Yes. Um, yes. It would. I mean, you know, I think of one one panel in particular where it just really shows off Dooku, and I'm like, that's not Dooku, that's Dracula now. Like, it's just <laughs> it was it was so great. But I have to say, as I was looking forward to Dooku, mm-hmm. I was looking forward to the ghost story with the ghost, which I was clever. But when I finished the series, I was super surprised that my favorite one was the one about Ewoks. Yeah. Thank you. I was in the entire conversation, I was going, please say Ewoks, please say Ewoks. Because that was one of my campaigns, was to get the um, the spooky Ewok story in there. And um, and yeah, and I think some people were slightly worried. And they were worried when they saw the, the amount of references snuck in to the um, to the movies as well um, but yeah um, everyone, I mean the art in that is just incredible right? yeah. it's, um, it's phenomenal uh, so that helps tell the story a lot but again Return of Jedi there's a lot of love for Ewoks out there mm. yeah. um, you only have to go around celebration to see the amount, the amount of people cosplaying as them, as them. so um, yeah so I, I, again that was one of my my little hobby horses right from the beginning was to, was to get a um, to get a creepy um, Ewok story and perhaps mm-hmm. mash the Ewoks with a, a horror film that you wouldn't expect them to and I won't tell you which horror film it is because you have to read the issue and find out but um, yeah and Robert <laughs> Hack was just genius um, a genius in that, in that story his artwork was phenomenal um, and you know I think again he was quite surprised how much he loved drawing Ewoks and hopefully it won't be the last time either yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I loved that it, there was a period between that story and there was a game mode released in Battlefront. I, I like that the theme was just that Ewoks are scary. Oh, yeah. And and if you doubt that, you know, uh, th- those two things go along. What, do you play Battlefront at all, the video game? I do play Battlefront now, but I've not played the Ewok bit yet. I, I'm going to have to. But I mean, oh, no, I mean, Ewoks, yeah. Ewoks can be terrifying because, let's face it, we know what they do to people. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, they are warriors, and and we see them take down the empire quite, cons- you know, quite convincingly. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was fun to play with that, and again to to go back to childhood and sort of, um, I was a little bit, probably a little bit too old for Ewoks, the cartoon, um, but I, you know, I still watched it anyway, and I still loved it, and so it was good to sort of re- revisit some of some of the, some of the, the sort of scenarios from. Ewoks cartoon and give them a bit of a, a horror twist. Definitely, like one one of one of our things, we love to spin positivity on everything Star Wars, including <laughs> the Ewoks uh, mm-hmm. adventures, you know, holiday special, so yeah. forth. And for me, it's never hard. I, I attach to the Gorax. I when I was a kid, you know, I was big into monster movies, scary movies, kaiju movies, and the the Gorax just went right in there for me. It never felt quite Star Warsy. But it was cool and scary, and uh, you know that—that's always something I, you know, like the holiday special. It gave us Boba Fett and Ewok Adventure. Yeah. It gave us the Gorax, and and that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the Gorax is actually—I mean, if you you watch it again, it's um, we watched it recently, but just before I was writing the issue, I showed my children it for the first time, and I think they enjoyed it. I think I was I was starting to strain by <laughs> their, their love of Star Wars, um, but. Yeah, the Gorax is still a very effective um, 
Um, and and yeah, and I, I think it really holds up. Uh, you know, as a 1980s fantasy film, which let's face it, it is rather than a, a Star Wars film. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I love that costume and I love that that design. And so yeah, it was it was great to see it. Um, Gorak said again, it was one of those moments that we all. Uh, there are points, obviously, where um, especially through story group, things are brought together, and they obviously know everything that's going on pretty much everywhere. Um, but of course. When I was writing that, I had no idea that Gorax was going to turn up um, in, um, oh, what was it? It turned up at the same uh, time. uh, Forces Um, of Destiny. Yes, yeah, Forces of Destiny. I had no idea that the Gorax was going to turn up in that as well. So I knew it was in the Galactic Atlas, and that was sort of my first indication that, oh, I might be able to get away with this. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I I, I saw Forces of Destiny as well, and um, yes, it's one of those wonderful moments where you think, well, actually, we must be doing something right because you know elsewhere in the in the galaxy there's um, other people bringing these back, things back as well. So yes, it was it was good timing. Oh yeah, well, and it's nice when someone else does something weird, so you feel safer to do your weird thing next. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So we are also we also know uh, some of your work from Doctor Who, from uh-huh. around for Doctor Who. Uh, we grew up both of us loving the new series that came out in 2005. That was kind of my first introduction to Doctor Who, and I think it was for you as well. Uh, I started in 2010. Oh. Right, okay. But, but yeah, in that, in that sort of, I guess, renaissance of Doctor Who, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was it like going from the amazing, expansive sci-fi of Doctor Who to the science fantasy of Star Wars? Or was there any real difference? Well, do you know what? Because I think um, Doctor Who is science fantasy anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I don't... I, I, and trust me, I've had arguments on panels at Doctor Who conventions about this <laughs> with other writers. Um, I don't think Doctor Who is in any way hard science fiction. Um, and when it becomes... Mm-hmm. It tries to be... It's never my favourite Doctor Who. Um, at the end of the day, Doctor Who is about a wizard um, in a magic box with a magic wand um, yeah. who does amazing things, and you don't really, shouldn't really think too hard about the science behind it. It's adventure. It's um, it's uh, incredibly moral character. It's a character that's got shades of grey, um, but it is magic there. You know, it's and I think it's not too difficult then to step over. You know and ends up in Star Wars. I mean, you can, I think you could put the Doctor in the Star Wars galaxy and, and it wouldn't, he, he and she wouldn't seem out of place at, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, no, it was, um, I, I found it harder in the past when I have written proper science fiction, you know, because I have to play by rules. And we're both, um, well, there are rules in, in both Doctor Who and Star Wars. There's also a lot of magic and, and I like magic because with magic you can blur the edges and you can do fun things. Um, um, and you, I think you can make people think um, perhaps more sometimes. And I know now I'm going to have lots of stuff, uh, science fiction fans turn up at my door with burning torches and pitfalls and stuff. But um, yeah, so for me it was it wasn't too much of a leap. And also because in my head they're so wrapped up together for the 70s and 80s when I was growing up. Because you know in in the UK at a certain point you could be a fan of science fiction and fantasy without being a fan of Doctor Who and Star Wars. They just went hand in hand. So mm-hmm. um, I count myself very lucky that I've been able to um, basically get to the point that my to-do list when I was in my mid-40s is the same as it was when I was sort of around 10 or 11, <laughs> which is a bad place to be. 
That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's that that's that's an interesting way to look at it. And um, I think, I guess we can kind of get into the idea that Star Wars is science fantasy and all on, on in its own camp, sort of from everything else, yeah. um, because of those same blurred lines. But I guess you know, um, you're you're right. I mean, Doctor Who isn't too, too far off from that, and and certainly. When, when it starts to get a little bit too static and clinical in the uh, what we're locked into of science, and, and I think that's a big part of Doctor Who is kind of breaking out of the box a little bit, not to yeah. no, you know not to be funny, but you know, and, and I think that's exactly what it does with the science of things in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely say like one of some of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who are, you know, the fantastical ones like. I love The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances because that story has a very happy ending and that's exactly what that story needed. And I love the opposite ones. <laughs> oh, yes, because you're a freak. <laughs> I, I, that's the joy of, of Doctor Who is the fact that um, you can go from one, you know, it's, it's a cliche, you know, it's, it's a series that can go anywhere and tell any story, but it really can. You know? mm. it, can it can do proper science fiction, art science science fiction and it can do complete whimsy and it can also go into the realms of horror very very easily um, mm -hmm. and in a similar way you know look at Star Wars how many different kinds of stories I think uh, we, we think the kinds of stories you can tell within Star Wars um, the list goes on and on and on so yeah I think the two series are very similar I think the fandoms have been very similar in a lot of ways both fandoms have had periods of time where there was no um, sort of primary sources uh, of both Doctor Who and Star Wars, and so mm -hmm. lived through books and comics, and, and in Doctor Who's case, audio as well. Um, and then suddenly there was new canon, and there was new films coming in, and there was new fans, and, and you know, so there was there was a bit of um, conflict there. And I think both both franchises have gone through, both fandoms have gone through similar things. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities between both on camera and off. Mm -hmm. Very true. Um, but now, obligatory Whovian question. Uh, who's your favorite doctor? Oh, this is again, you, you, we, the favorites. Uh, <laughs> we, use favorites we, we use favorites loosely yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. with us. My doctor growing up was Tom Baker, who I was terrified of, yes. um, but also loved. Um, it's so difficult now because... And this sounds like a real humble brag, and it's not supposed to be, because I've worked with so many of the, you know, the, the 80s doctors on, on uh, and written so many of them that mm -hmm. I find it very difficult to, to say who my favourite is, because I, I know how much pleasure I've got from writing each particular incarnation. And, I yeah, the, the fourth doctor is always the one I think of. Mm -hmm. I think the Doctor because he was the one when I was great, again, growing up, there was no other Doctor. You know, he was the Doctor for so long, I, it was a real shock for me. Yeah. when he regenerated, because I've never known another Doctor. Um, so, yeah, of the modern Doctors, I, I mean, I've loved them all. I have a particular fondness for the Ninth Doctor, because I wrote uh, the Ninth Doctor comic for, for Titan Comics. Um, but from a sort of pure watching point of view and a fan point of view, I could watch Matt Smith play the Doctor forever, because I think he was absolutely fascinated. Yeah. And even though some of the stories, perhaps, I didn't particularly, you know, like all the things, there's some stories you like, some stories you don't. Mm -hmm. But... He was always so watchable in every minute of being on screen. And so, mm -hmm. um, to misquote him dreadfully, um, I will always remember when the Doctor was him. Mm. Yeah. Oh, 
That's wonderful. That was such a great line delivery. Oh. But yeah, we, I know, just, we can the, talk. The entire speech, I mean, you know, how yeah. self-indulgent for the doctor just to wander around the TARDIS giving off a speech. But, yeah. you know, but I think we were all feeling it at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what was worse. Was Tenet's regeneration or Matt Smith's regeneration? Yeah, emotionally, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was... Yeah. Oh. Well, what was funny is, and then I'll let you yeah. talk on Eccleston because that's your guy. <laughs> But um, I remember when I was first introduced, a friend of mine, um, she just gathered a bunch of her favorite episodes over many, many series. Um, and I just remember how stinking confused I was because <laughs> almost every episode or every other episode, it was a new person. And she wouldn't answer my questions about, like, wait, is yeah. who, which one's the doctor? What, like, where'd he go? And it, <laughs> but... Um, yes. Mm -hmm. But I also love that as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> I well, love the fact that, it, that it's, um, it could be the same series, but it could be so completely different when you look at a different, yeah, yeah, um, a different aspect. Well, and it and it really bolsters what you were saying about you know how it's multiple stories, you know, going in multiple different directions and multiple themes, and and that that's, I, I know it couldn't work for everybody, but that's what attached me. Not I didn't get attached to a single doctor or actor. I was getting attached to the stories they told. And, and they would go from, you know, classic Dalek episodes to um, Blink and to mm -hmm. The Empty Child. And, it, you know, the, it was a wide array. And so I fell in love with the stories. And I think that helps with Doctor Who in that transition a little bit because whoever's there, I see, I see the stories. And he just happens to be the one guiding me through uh, the stories. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. Again, as I, you know, you get periods of time where perhaps you, you feel Doctor Who isn't for you, but the good thing about it is you know that there's always another era around the corner or there's another story the next week. So again, literally with a time travel story, a, a, a series like Doctor Who, is that yes, for some weeks it might not be your favourite thing in the world, but the next week you know it probably will be. And mm -hmm. the, because it can tell so many different stories, there are always going to be times when it won't land completely for you. Um, and... Again, the same thing with Star Wars. There, there will be some elements of Star Wars, some sort of threads of it that perhaps you won't like, but, you know, the things you love are always still there, and there will be other things like them coming along. So uh, I think it's the flexibility in both formats that works so well um, that keeps people coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and you haven't got to like everything. That's always the thing, you know. It, it's, I think some people fall down the... Um, just going well if I don't like this one thing therefore I won't like any of it and you say mm. well no things aren't life isn't like that and yeah. and definitely for both Who and Star Wars um, it, there's so many things you can do with it that you, you know there is going to be something that, that might not be for you no but you know you know there's plenty of other things that are absolutely yeah um yeah. So, did you want to brag on your doctor? Oh, quick? absolutely. <laughs> um, this has I, become the Doctor Who cast. <laughs> I am fine yeah. with it. I'm here for it. Yeah, like, I... M my first doctor was Eccleston. And it just absolutely blows me away when people say that they skip him just to get to David Tennant. <sighs> that's a tragedy. Like, you get to miss... You miss so much of the doctor that's fresh off a time war who is intense yeah. and funny and just such a great character. Yeah, well, I, and I think yeah. I mean, no one should skip nine. It's no, just, it should be illegal. Um, <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, I spent I spent a lot of time writing the Ninth Doctor, um, and so I spent a lot 
time thinking about him. And from the earliest days of watching him, um, to revisiting his story so many times to try and get his voice right and try and make sure I could tell stories within that period, he still seems the doctor who's trying to remember how to be the doctor. Because yeah. we now know as well how much he's gone through. Um, and, and I think it, it works even better now that we've got the war doctor, you know, the doctor who mm-hmm. wouldn't call himself the doctor. Oh. Yeah. That first episode with Rose, he's the, he, and it could be, you know, that Eccleston wasn't comfortable in the role yet, or it could be all kinds of things. But when you watch it, it's a pure bit of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor's trying his hardest to be the doctor, and he's mm-hmm. making silly jokes, and he's mucking around with an autumn hand, and um, he's, he's not he's not comfortable in his, his skin at all. Um, and I think that entire series is a story. That entire season's a story about a man who's remembering why he did this mm-hmm. and why he liked being around people. And by the time you get to him, Rose and Jack, um, he's the doctor again. He's he's completely remembered why he does this. He, he, and he's learned with which always the, the best relationships with the doctor and his companion that they're there to remind him to be human, mm-hmm. um, because otherwise he is a god and is terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and again, I think as a story that um, goes through time and time again with the Jedi and and, um, and Star Wars, I think the Jedi and the Time Lords are very similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the, the Time Lords are obviously a lot more powerful, um, but in characters and um, society, I think there's a, there's a lot of similarities there. Very true, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah when, with Eccleston, one of, some of my favorite Doctor moments are from the episode where um, he finds the leftover Dalek um, that kind of codes with Rose a little bit and 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 definitely like you said, retrospectively he just gets better um, now with John Hurt and so much developed with um, Matt Smith and and the the anniversary special Um, but yeah, I I love the, the story element there where, you know, the Dalek was able to grow uh, emotionally more than the doctor was at that moment, uh, but the yeah. doctor is supposedly our good guy and everything, and that—that's what Doctor Who does so well that I—I I, I always I can't get tired of is it really stretches your understanding of a narrative, your 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 perspective, um, and and your outlook on on, on people, and, and whether yeah. they be fictional or or you know in real life, um, it really it really pushes pushes you. Uh, in a lot of ways, to to kind of be better, think better, do better. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the best quotes that I use constantly. We work with a lot of kids and teenagers. You know, I tell them all the time, "I've never met someone who didn't matter." Mm-hmm. And that's very true. Yeah. And and the and, yeah, exactly. and the doctor has seen it all. Yeah. Um, well, we might just. We might just need to break off and uh, start a Doctor Who podcast. Clearly, uh, um, but uh, let's uh, go ahead and jump in to talk some uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Um, how how did this is definitely different um, as far as new canon stories, but it does feel familiar. You know, I grew up on similar. Mm-hmm. Story, you know, you mentioned the Doctor Who audio dramas that I I, I grew up listening to those as well, and mm-hmm. and and Star Wars audio dramas that I discovered on the uh, internet and whatnot. Yeah. So it's it's new, but not quite new, but definitely interesting. How how did how did it all come together, uh, and how's it was it well? How is it different from some of the other things you've done with Star Wars so far? Um, 
to, they, something they were um, wanted to do, um, and because of my experience of writing um, audio drama for big Finnish productions in the UK and for BBC Audio as well, um, they came to me and asked me if I'd um, be interested in, in writing it, and I bit their hands off. It's funny, I was I was at Skywalker Ranch um, on a completely separate thing, um, and was just about to leave, thinking, this, what an amazing week this has been. Can't quite believe it. Nothing can top this week. And looked at my phone. Had an email from Del Rey going, "Do you want to write a Star Wars audio drama?" I was like, "Oh no, there you go." <laughs> and um, it was phenomenal. And yeah, so it was. It's different to a lot of the stuff I've done because it was. It wasn't um, particularly um, aimed at kids. I think kids could listen to Dooku Jedi and laugh quite easily. But um, it, it was. It was definitely aimed at sort of the usual Del Rey book reader. Um, as well, so a little bit more complicated. Um, and obviously, the, the biggest challenge with it was to tell Dooku's entire life, which was pretty much there in the brief right from the beginning. Um, yeah, that was quite daunting. To sort of, you know, I, I looked at the brief, and it's sort of, yeah, we want to see him being trained, we want to see him training, we want to see him training Ventress, Qui Gon being trained by Yoda. I needed to say, that's a lot of time yeah. to cover in six hours and um, so yeah it was a bit of a jigsaw puzzle to put it all together um, but be, to be able to tell one story over that sort of period of time was it, it was uh, incredible and, um, and yeah because it was audio drama it almost felt like coming home to my roots a bit um, it'd been a, been a couple of years I, I'd had audio dramas out over the last couple of years but they, there'd been a period of time since I'd actually written them and from coming out and this was quite a quick turnaround for, for the, um, Jedi Lost so um, it, was, it was good to sort of stretch those muscles again um, and I love the I love the format so much. Um, so, so yeah, to, to be able to write um, Star Wars within it um, was incredible. So yeah, it was something that I couldn't could possibly even think about saying no to. Plus, of course, Christopher Lee. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of my spirit animals, right? There. So, <laughs> you know, I, had, I had to say yes. Definitely. Well, in in what what you were able to do in six, I I, I you know when I got. Uh, the audio novel, um, seeing it was only six hours, I was a bit surprised. I expected it to be longer, um, but to well, I don't. I would expected it to be. I want. I guess I wanted it to be longer because I had the idea in my mind already of okay, so we're not going to see a whole lot then. Mm -hmm. um, but then, what you were able to do to cover so much. Uh, in just a six-hour story it is incredible. Um, and to kind of journey with Dooku in that way is something I think a lot of fans have been very eager for. Um, did, did you have any special research to kind of get in the mindset of uh, Dooku at all ages to kind of tell that story? Um, I must admit, when we first started talking about it, it was, I was trying, I was struggling a little bit to really get him at all ages and, and to link the ages through because you know writing a 10 year old is very different to writing a 60 year old man mm -hmm. um, knowing then that actually when the story finishes there's another sort of 15 years of his life or whatever um, where he becomes very different again and so we knew very from the off it had to be the story of him as a Jedi it wasn't the story of him as a Sith I mean I think the two things are you know they're linked obviously but as I, I've said in, uh, previously that Dooku was a Jedi for an awfully long time so, and he was a very well respected Jedi so he had to be good at being
do I link those early scenes with him as a, as a child to the man we know? And how would you make that recognisable? Because let's face it, how many of us would be recognisable at 10 years old? Um, mm-hmm. And it was um, the wonderful Elizabeth Del Rey, the, uh, our editor, who, who turned around and said, um, perhaps what we missed in these earlier scenes is just that belief in himself. Um, and it's a very different belief than we've seen in other Jedi. You know, even Anakin in all his... Because I suppose the, there is a certain similarity in their lives. Um, Anakin had an arrogance to him. Um, and, but with Dooku, there was a self-belief there that he just knew he was meant for different things. And he never felt that he was in the right place. And as soon as that comment was made, it all sort of like clicked into gear. And, then, and that, that's when we really realised that we could go back into different points in his life and see him in different situations um, and feel like the same story. Because obviously when you're dealing with vignettes of someone's life, the difficulty is it can feel quite bitty and it can feel like, oh, you know, you're dipping in and out, you're not really getting the whole story. We wanted to make sure it, it felt like a proper um, saga, you know, mini saga within the Star Wars saga. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, that's why we kept very similar characters at those key points in his life as well. Even though new characters come in, they then return. Um, so you can see how he's changing compared to these, um, you know, these other characters who actually don't change very much around him. So that I think that was the biggest challenge. And, and original, uh, yeah, in the early days of coming up with the story, I came up with a lot of the instant. Um, I came up with a lot of the the points where we would visit him in his life. But I wasn't quite been able to link him together as a character until I got that note, until I got that note about the self-belief. And I think that's when I responded, and I think I said this on the stage at Acceleration, um, that Anakin was hindered by being the Chosen One. It was something that weighed heavy on his shoulders, but for Dooku, he wanted to be the Chosen One, and he just believed he was. Um, And it all goes back then to that moment um, where, right at the end of his life, when he suddenly looks up into Anakin's eyes and looks over to um, Palpatine and realises, I wasn't, was I? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, of all the, the scenes that Christopher Lee's in, in Star Wars, I think that's one of the, the, the best performances, just the look on Dooku's face, and I, he realises everything he's done has been for nothing. Um, well, of course it hasn't, because in Sidious's plan, it's, it's been for everything, because it's gotten there, but for, for Dooku, he's really thrown away his life. Um, and so, yeah, I was trying to get the feed, go back from that moment and, and feed that sort of same feeling throughout. Because it's a tragedy, you know. It was, it was. I was going into that story knowing that while a load of my Star Wars stuff hopefully has, has hope running through it and, you know, happy endings and people succeeding, you have the story of two main characters who are both on a very destructive path mm-hmm. in Two Jedi Lost. I mean, it's not going to end well for either of them. It, it ends better for Ventress in the end. Even though she sacrificed herself, at least she's redeemed in a certain to a certain extent. For Dooku, there's no redemption. It's a complete horror story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there is only one trajectory for that man. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite it was quite difficult points to you know. I think my natural reaction is to make you know put some hope into it into things. Um, and with Dooku, it's quite unique. I think in writing the Star Wars story, um, I suppose a bit like the prequels, but even there is hope in the prequels as well that. Everyone in this story is heading in one direction. Um, from Yoda, the Council, the Republic, Dooku, it's um, yeah, it's not. It, there are stormy days ahead. So that was something I had to keep reminding myself when I was writing. I was writing that kind of story here, which of course was very different to the the things I've been doing in Star Wars Adventures.
Definitely. When I think that's really smart, and I see, I, I see where that style came in of almost working retroactively from you know from that moment uh, where we do see all of it kind of flash before Dooku and this sort of tragedy and horror, uh, realizing what's happening and whatnot, and what led to that sort of realization. Why would he? fully believe in this up until that moment and um and and that that for me going along the story is where the tragedy really comes through because so many times i'm rooting for dooku and i'm agreeing with dooku during his times when he's trying to push the jedi order and when he's trying to kind of cause change um and, and so it 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 is a really tragic story and i don't know that i prior to this, really expected a tragic story for Dooku. I kind of always expected him to be the, you know, kind of uh, silver, cunning, kind of... Uh, sh you, you almost look at him as the, the, the tiny scalpel um, in terms of the weapon he would be. Uh, very precise, very, very... but very deadly. Um, yeah, and again, I think the other moment, key moment in Dooku on screen is... Um, in the Clone Wars, when Sidious gives the order for him to kill Ventress, um, mm. because Duke does not want to do that. Mm. Um, you can tell the respect he has for Ventress, and then he does it anyway. Um, and so he's completely trapped, and he has no power. For a man who's all about power, he has no power at all. And I think he realizes that. But what can he do about it? He's, you know, he's signed his name in blood at that point. You know, he, he is completely. Um, in the thrall of, of his master and yeah I mean how heroic and wonderful would it have been at that point if Dooku turned around and said no I will not kill my assassin um, but in, he just capitulates completely and so yeah I mean the, the tragedy is there all the way through his character especially in the Clone Wars um, and again in the Clone Wars you see the respect that should be there between him and the Jedi which obviously was once um, so yeah that, so it, was, it was interesting to work back from those moments Definitely. So, with Ventress and Dooku's relationship being where it is, where 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 was your sort of timeline for where this story takes place for them? Um, well, part of the brief was to deal with Dooku training Ventress. Um, so, I thought it'd be interesting to push that back, you know, as as far as we could. And so, this this um, story is pretty much. What one of the earliest stories of her, of her apprenticeship. Um, she's just come, as we first meet her in, in, the, in the audio drama, she's remembering being taken to Castle Sereno for the first time, and um, it's only just happened to her. Um, so this is, yeah, pretty much one of her first, first missions for him. Um, and it's all about, and again, this is the tragedy in the character, and especially in the story, you know, it's Dooku breaking Ventress and, and moulding her into what he needs and ultimately what Darth Sidious needs as well. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's very early on in their relationship together. And I think I think it definitely does kind of establish where she gets both her respect and fear for him because through the story we, we see Dooku cut ties with seemingly... Uh, the last remaining anchor to his past self, to what any light he may have had. And so I can see how participating in helping him destroy that, uh, you, she would definitely tread more carefully. Uh, it seems like when we first enter in 
you know, when, when she comes to him in the beginning, she already has a bit of that fear. But I think definitely yeah. by the end of this story, she she knows her master isn't anyone to, to cross or, or to mm -hmm. give reason to um, come for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think this is, um, again, we're getting into spoilers territory here, really, but <laughs> if you haven't heard, pause it, go and listen, and then six and a half hours come back later, <laughs> um, and listen to the rest of it. But, yeah, I mean, he's basically, the whole reason that Duke is sending her down this path is to show her who he used to be and then to remind her that of who he is now. Mm -hmm. And so the, the task that he gets her to do is horrendous when you think about it. Um, mm -hmm. And what he's doing to her is it's pure psychological warfare. And he's also reminded himself of how far he's come. Um, mm -hmm. And so, it's, as I say, it's all wrapped up in that idea of, of, of moulding and, and reforging someone to become a Sith. Um, and I suppose the similarities, in a way, between the, the Sith and the Jedi, that both um, orders and both belief systems um, want you to break away from your past um, and for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it was definitely... If she didn't really understand who Dooku was at the beginning of the story, she definitely knows by the end. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and having listened to it twice, that's actually something I didn't catch yet until you just said that in terms of the intentionality of it, that that all along it was his work in molding and shaping Ventress while also getting something he needed done done. Um, that's actually, that, wow, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he, he left the journal in the desk to be found, you know. He, if you think uh. about it, it was, one of the, it was one of the reasons I... I struggled at first. I was like, well, why would Dooku just let her explore his past? Yeah. Um, because surely Dooku would want to keep this quiet. Um, and then I realized that, no, no, this is all part of his twisted lesson. He, you know, he's showing her what a Sith has to do. Um, hmm. And then, worth all, he's making her do it. You know, he, right. he's building sympathy for someone and then saying, right, you've, you've got that sympathy now for this person. Now you must kill them. Mm -hmm. And that is complete spoilers now. Um, you know, so <laughs> he he builds he builds a relationship only to break it, and it's a relationship he has built over decades, and he's the one bringing it to an end. And so um, it was my solution of why, you know, for the conceit that we have to tell the story and we have to keep it in a certain way. Um, it was my way of making that work for me, um, and also making it work for the character. And, you know, show him what a gitty actually is, you know, and, 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 and the length he will go to to manipulate someone. Um, I think it, it explains a lot more about his, a lot more about his mentality than, than Ventress's at that time. Yeah, and that, like I said, that's adding so much, because I'm, I'm face-palming as you're, you're, you're saying that, because I had those same things along the way, but I didn't question it because I enjoy the story of, like, this just seems too easy. It seems, like, Dooku yeah. wouldn't, just drop these, you know, uh, willy-nilly. They're, they're, like, mm -hmm. I, you know, going back to my original analogy, I've always viewed him, you know, less as a katana, less as a club, more of a scalpel. He's so precise, yeah. so fine. And, and so I kind of reconciled those things, but now to see that that's actually still just part of him being so precise. It, oh, my gosh, that's... <laughs> I love Dooku so much. It's the complete arrogance of the man and the complete control. He will, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, aim, he's 
start, he wants to break her heart. He mm. wants to break her spirit. And to do it, he's sacrificing his own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think it's, it, again, it's, as I say, it's a tragedy. It's not a happy ending for anyone no. in this story. Um, but it shows how much he's changed and how much, you know, um, from the, when you think of the, the, how he is with the characters in the first time, he meet, first time he meets them earlier on in the story. I'm trying my hardest to skip around spoilers. Um, <laughs> to, you know, to the to the precision that he's he's um, dictating at the end. It's um, yeah, it's, it's, he, he's not someone you want to cross. Let's put it that way. Definitely, and I think we've kept mo- I, I think we've kept the spoilers fairly safe. I think, but yeah, de- okay. if if, if you, there's definitely not a happy ending. Uh, no. Let's just put it that way. I don't think anyone would have thought that was, was coming. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I had a little bit of hope, uh, but. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then I dashed it. There we go. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, I will say, listening to the story, um, you know, there are a lot of characters in the story. It's a fully fleshed out universe. Um, I will say that none of the supposed background characters or, you know, side characters. Feel that way. They're all so lovingly and wonderfully written. And I have to tell you, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Rail is the best character in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, praise be to Claudia for creating in the first place. Yes. It was a bit of a, um, a gift there. Mm-hmm. Because um, when I first started com- uh, putting the stories together, I didn't know that Rail existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through talking to Claudia, and she started talking about the, the other Padawan, I was like, they you know. <laughs> um, and and then the, and then we just started having so much fun with him because yeah. um, we were writing um, them at the same time pretty much mm-hmm. and so uh, and because Claudia and I were working on other things as well we we'd already had that sort of dialogue going so we yeah we had a little WhatsApp um, conversation going on completely um, pretty much all the way through the story writing the story uh, across the Atlantic and firing these sort of ideas back and forth. And yeah, and he's just a complete joy, and so different to to Dooku. It's mm-hmm. literally if you, you take you take a mirror image of Dooku, and there there he is, um, you know, in every possible sense of the word. We were very careful not, not to put to tell his entire story as well, because I think he's a character we're going to want to return to many times. Yes, absolutely. Yes, well, and, and that was something I was curious is is how that came about because I was I was very you know as when when I was listening and that that part came up I instantly paused jumped up and called Megan because I was just like Rail shows up it's a because because we we attached to Rail from Master and Apprentice there and and kind of fell in love with his character type and so that having that thread um, that was it was an unexpected surprise but it was it was really nice having those moments of seeing these three great characters of Dooku, Rail, and Qui-Gon all in, in a brief moment kind of bouncing off of each other a little bit personality-wise. Yeah. And I think that was... And I, 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 I didn't want to tell his story of being a Padawan. Right. Um, not in this story anyway, because I think that would have been one too many Master and Apprentice stories within Dooku Long. So right. You, you yeah. have to... There would be a, a danger that things would start to repeat, and I, again, I didn't. I think there's a story there that's more um, that needs to be expanded on rather than just fitted into someone else's story. I, I, you know, we yeah. need to just know who that man was and where he came from, because obviously he has a very different way of looking at Jedi life to everyone oh. else. Mm-hmm. So, at no point, I don't think at any point in any of the inspirations of the outline did he ever appear. 
people who haven't read Master and Apprentice, um, suddenly you get this other other Padawan, you know, who's already knighted walking. Well, that's that's something interesting. That's going to throw um, the expectations slightly off as well. And and again, his relationship with Duke is very different different to Qui Gon's mm-hmm. relationship with Duke. You know, Qui Gon has a real respect for Duke that you know, that Rail has, but it, it's a playful one. You know, he, he's there to a bit like Sifo to burst Duke's bubble a lot of times. You know, and I think Duke, who actually as a younger man responds to this quite well. Um, but can you imagine it later on in his life? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> imagine what a Sith Duke would be like if he tried to do it. But um, again, it shows how much the other man's changed over the over the decades. Um, but yeah, no, he was so much to fun, so so much fun to play with, and I, I really hope we see. I mean, obviously, I want me and Claudius right it, but um, if, if I want someone else to actually as well, because I think there's a lot of stories to be told there about that that kind of Jedi. Yeah, we we need Saloon, a real Avaros story. <laughs> I just, it, you yeah. know, if ever there was a space cowboy in Star Wars. Um, Start the campaign. Oh, when I heard his, when I heard the artist's voice on it as well, I was like, oh, that is just brilliant. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely, uh, it, it that I think that was uh, the biggest pleasant surprise. Although there's definitely several throughout, um, oh, yes. um, very very clever little uh, breadcrumbs and surprises. Um, but we did ask our listeners if they had any questions for today's show, um, and we did have a couple of good ones uh, that we wanted to run by you uh, in closing. Um, our friend Ryan he asked. Do you think if Qui-Gon lived that Dooku wouldn't have turned to the dark side? That's really interesting. Well, I think... I'm not sure Qui-Gon would have left him alone to do it. I think Qui-Gon might have gone after him to Mm -hmm. find out why. And we don't know yet what Qui-Gon thought when Dooku left the Order. Mm-hmm. We, we don't see that particular story and again that was a choice I very definitely made um, when Dooku finally leaves I didn't want Qui-Gon there because I think that's a bigger story to tell Qui-Gon's reaction to it um, I think if if the, if, the, um, if Dooku had already fallen um, Qui-Gon may have been able to bring him back or, or may have been able to question what he's doing um, mm-hmm. but I think in all these stories, I mean, for me, Anakin becomes 
Oh, yeah. Well, and I think definitely Dooku leaving the Order and Dooku falling to the dark side are, are, are separate events. Um, and you're, you're right in the fact that, you know, it's not about how much... It's not about me separating myself from someone else to fall. It's, it's about when there's not someone there to catch someone when they fall. It, that yeah, that it, it. Th that it fully becomes realized and um, and I think this to, not just to catch them but also to pick them up again exactly because, exactly um, I think that's what would happen Qui Gon could have had the opportunity maybe to pick him up and of course we don't know where Ryan is in all this either so that's more stories to tell uh, um, because they obviously had a very close relationship so it'll be interesting when the Clone Wars. Um, started and again, you know, the, Je the Jedi saw that you know they don't really know what Dooku's role is at the beginning of the Clone Wars. You know, mm -hmm. they, um, they don't know the extent of of his fall at that point as well. So they would, they're really they're playing catch up like mad with Dooku. Um, so it would have been interesting to see how, how these other characters who we've introduced in these stories now their reaction. And hopefully we will see that in, in future stories. Um, their reaction to what Dooku actually does. Yeah, well, with Star Wars storytelling, I've learned that it's it's just a, it's about a matter of time, less about yeah. if um, it's it's more when. Um, but definitely, yeah. Ryan's question made me think of. I remember there's a comic back when I think Dark Horse was doing Star Wars, and um, it kind of it doesn't linger on it, but it just kind of shows it in a flashback of Dooku being told by Palpatine about Qui-Gon's death, and I can see yes. how manipulative that tragedy would be for him, given his doubts and feelings about the Jedi Order already, and seeing without him, you know, and that kind of plays to his arrogance, you know, without him, that's what happened. And yes. just more evidence why he has to do what he has to do mm -hmm. um, leading into exactly. the Clone Wars. That's the thing. It, with, it's all of these things for Duke, I think, would uh, just underline the, the fact that he's made the right choice. Because, again, we were something we wanted to show in both Master Apprentice and also in in um, Jedi Lost is that Dooku was on the road of the dark side already, mm -hmm. um, just because of his very nature. It wasn't something that was completely um, for, forced upon him by, yeah. by Palpatine. So... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think he would have taken this all as signs that, that he'd make, made the right choice, even though that would be painful too. Oh, yeah. Um, great question there. And another one we have from Star Wars Sessions Podcast, another uh, awesome podcast uh, out there, um, asked, did you feel the Harry Potter vibes while you were writing <laughs> Dooku Jedi Lost? They said the young Dooku and Sifo moments were pleasantly reminiscent of that. Yeah, this is something excuse me, this is something a lot of people have picked up on and it, you know, there probably is a bit of an influence there. Um, again, I live in a house where there are various different fandoms flying around and, and my eldest daughter, Chloe, is a complete potterhead. So um, we have lived um, Harry Potter for the last few years uh, um, over and over and over again. And pre just previously to starting work on this, I had just visited the Harry Potter studios in London. So um, I walked in the Great Hall at the so there might have been some influence there as well. Um, I think it's very difficult to tell a story these days about um, young, um, well, let's face it, space wizards in this case, <laughs> um, without, without treading into lines. 
Definitely. Well, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of a, a heave and ho of storytelling where one thing influences another, and, and but it's all about the character journey and and how we see ourselves in it. So it's easy for that to repeat because as much as we're individuals as humans, we're also very predictable and have a lot of commonality. So, you know, the, that that journey for characters is going to be as in some ways similar as it is for us, even though we have our personal experiences, there's always going to be that kind of, usually, kind of journey of ups and downs and such. Yeah. Um, also, I also wanted to make them real kids, you know. Yeah. It was, um, something I was very um, insistent on, that I wanted um, them to feel like children. I wanted the teasing to be there. I wanted the, you know, the, the arguments to be there, uh, the banter. Um, and again, it's something that J.K. Rowan did so well in Harry Potter that it's very difficult not to, to have similarities there. But, um, but yeah, no, it's a good question. As a, a lot of people have been picking up on it. Um, and, and no one seems that angry about the idea that there might be links between Hogwarts and the, and the Jedi Temple as well. Oh, I think, I think they could go with, I think they could go together quite well. I, yeah, and I think this is a, a good example both story-wise and I think character-wise. Definitely, they could have a lot to share over a cup of tea. Um Exactly. Exactly. I kind of got Ravenclaw vibes from a young Dooku, but that's just me. Well, well, if we've learned anything from the new, like there used to be Pottermore, and it would assign your house, and now it's the thing where it gives you like a hybrid house. Like I'm a Slitherclaw. Yeah. And I think it's funny now that we, you know, like we've expressed, like it, 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 you're more than any one house, but. Yeah. He would definitely be Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. When I took the test, it was like, it was something like 75% Hufflepuff, like 25% Slytherin, and that just, Interesting I was confused combination. by that. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, with, with the Harry Potter vibes, the one where I made a real specific note on, where, where and I'll avoid spoilers in it, but basically there's a moment very similar to the argument uh, surrounding the inclusion of dark arts studies in Harry Potter, where it's like, you know, is it necessary to prepare the young people for uh, the possible return, or just in general? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's the conflict of, no, it's it's unnecessary. It, it, gone are the ways of the Sith and so forth. I, I thought that was such an interesting Jedi conflict uh, to be included, and like I said, I felt so much about, like, the, do we prepare for Lord Voldemort, and do we make the fear legitimate, or do we just ignore it, and just do our potion studies, and, yeah. uh, exactly. and ignore it went so well for Hogwarts, and, yeah, both, both ended in fire, yeah, exactly, both ended in fire, so clearly, uh, yeah, lesson here, children, is learn from the past, which is, you know, which isn't a bad lesson to learn. No, well, and and I think though there is the balance in Juku Dead. Juku Dead, I lost. Oh my gosh! Wow, you cannot te- you cannot speak today. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, I think there's the balance in Juku Jedi lost of. I th- I think we see both sides. I think we see the over preparer, and we also see the under preparer. Yeah. And I think the pull, it, the unfortunate side effects of the pull between both, fall on Juku a little bit, and that's where the the influence on him comes from is. Yeah. Do I just ignore it, or do I, you know, make my entire pursuit as a Jedi about it? And I think both have their rights and their wrongs. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, that um, with Lean as well, we have got a character who's completely obsessed um, mm. for the right 
and the central line probably would have been the best way to go with it. The, you know, the, the, the Sith were real. They were a dreadful, it was a dreadful period in time. Um, we've got to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, mm-hmm. To shove it all the way into a secret archive was not the best way for the for the Jedi to cope with it. Yeah. Um, and that sort of rose tinted glasses. Like, no, it's all right. Now they've gone. It's a thousand years ago. And yeah, mm-hmm. also they were evil and they enslaved the entire galaxy. But yeah, that's not going to happen again. Um, and so yeah, if you, you have a very sensible central line that perhaps these things wouldn't happen and these monsters wouldn't arise. Mm-hmm. It's wishful thinking for sure. Yeah, and I will say, like. I just made another connection in my brain. Like, Yoda, I think of him as Dumbledore in a way. Because, like, you get this old wizard who seems to be so wizened and, you know, great when you're growing up, but then you get older and you realize Yoda was kind of a jerk. Yoda made some errors of judgment, I think, that he then very much regretted and tried to put right. Uh, Again, I love what I love about Yoda is that he's not always right. Um, And... I think he's one of the most well-rounded characters in Star Wars. You know, mm. he he has wisdom, um, and it's wisdom that's come from making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think there is nothing sadder than in moments of the Clone Wars and the prequels when Yoda realizes what he's done mm-hmm. um, and, and what the responsibility is now. You know, now on on his very small shoulders, and, and there's a reason that Jedi seem to have a habit of going off and becoming hermits. Yeah. Um, because of the choices they've made, I and mean, we've we've now seen this in three different iterations, and um, and it's a hermitage that comes from the responsibility and regret, and and so um, yeah, I think I, I think people, some people get quite angry if you suggest that Yoda did things wrong, yeah. um, but if he didn't do anything wrong, we wouldn't have Star Wars, exactly. Because he would have been going, no, 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 we can't do this, um, and yeah, he. He know, the worst. The tragedy about Yoda is he knows throughout the Clone Wars the, what, of where they're headed. And for yeah. a man who is so obsessed about not knowing the future, he knows where the future is going to end up. Um, but yeah, so it's, I think it's the, the lesson that you then can teach um, the next generation and the generation after that. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the flaw in Yoda's character, I think, is, is actually quite beautiful. And I think it's something that we, we should be focused on without making him a villain. He put his trust in the wrong things mm-hmm. um, and then he tried to put that right. And I think that's the important thing. Again, he has his own fall, but he very much got up. Very yeah. true, yeah. And we had a similar conversation about uh, Ben Kenobi as well in terms of you know, the, the journey that he went on to become um, the wise wizard he is when we first meet him in A New Hope. And even still, he has some of his... Um, moments where he's not seeing the full picture and I, I think there's such a beauty in imperfect heroes because there's no such thing as a perfect hero yeah um and well, I they're dull they're, they're perfect heroes are very boring um <laughs> you know and you've got to have um you've got to have heroes that are tempted by the world around them as well I think you've got and, and then you can see them standing true you know I think that's the other type of perfect hero when you people talk about we've seen it in Marvel recently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Captain America, who most people have written off as a completely pointless character, you know, in the modern age. But it's been very strong seeing a character who's incredibly um, confident 
the perfect hero, the hero that never gets questioned, is a very dull hero, and it's very difficult to identify with them. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time, for the, the wonderful conversation, uh, and, and oh, definitely you. the great work that you do that allows us to have this uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was just one last thing we had to ask, though, yes. what is Project yeah. Luminous? Tell us everything you know. Please. <laughs> oh, I, think, I don't know. You're, you're breaking up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Twenty dollars an unmarked bill. Come on, they've gone. They've gone. They've gone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, you're back. Oh, did you? I, I told you everything then, but you obviously couldn't hear me. It was because the yes, problem. of course. <laughs> I'd love to tell you what Project Luminous is, um, but then I would be killed. And we want a happy ending in this story, so you know. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you have to wait a little bit longer. Ah, oh, how yeah. how dare you put your personal safety as a, a in, into this conversation, sir? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, I feel, you know, I feel for I feel for the other members of, of the um, my other conspirators as well because you know if if I if I was taken down by you know the story group, uh, they'd have to do more work, and I, I'm only doing it for them. Ah, uh, that's very selfless, very very Jedi of you, sir. I am very selfless. Is it? Yes, it is the most Jedi thing I've ever done. <laughs> well. Uh, it's it's only that 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 tease and the 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 enigma that it is that keeps us uh, excited and interested, and we can't wait for uh, next year when we are able to learn more. But um, in the meantime, until we can learn more about Project Luminous, what are some of the other uh, great things you can let us know and our listeners know that they can find your name on coming up soon? Uh, Star Wars Adventures, anything like that? Um, Star Wars Adventures, the, an issue came out when we were recording this today, um, which was an issue with Han and Luke, um, issue 21. We've got the Return to Vader's Castle coming out in October, just in time for Halloween. Um, and then it was announced um, on May the 4th, the, 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 um, the, the, the book leading up to uh, The Rise of Skywalker, and the next in my series of games books for kids and, and the young at heart, um, Choose Your Destiny, is going to be a um, Finn and Poe adventure um, set on the lead up to the events of the of episode 9, so um, we're putting the finishing touches to that at the minute and that'll be coming out in October. Awesome, yeah, that it, we're excited, we were, we were excited to see uh, both Star Wars Adventures and Choose Your Own Adventure being included with the, the journey to uh, the Rise of Skywalker, um, and so we're, we're definitely looking forward uh, to that and obviously episode 9 uh, it's going to be it's an amazing year for Star Wars that's for sure yeah. there's quite a lot going on isn't there it, it, <laughs> yes uh, yeah. for sure well again thank you so much Kevin for joining us I, I know our listeners uh, will enjoy this pleasant conversation and uh, who knows maybe we'll be able to do this again sometime brilliant okay I'm sure we will be able to awesome thanks you know I might even be able to tell you about uh, see yes, that. So when your personal safety is no longer involved in the conversation, <laughs> uh, we will definitely revisit that. Okay. It's a cool. deal. We should do that. Yes. All right, guys. So uh, again, hopefully you enjoyed uh, our time with Kevin. We certainly did, and we look forward to hopefully having the chance uh, again in the future of um, capturing him, locking him in a box, and making him talk about Project Luminous. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, 
if you want to uh, support us in our endeavor, you can give to our Patreon. Uh, that way we have bail money whenever that uh, fiasco happens. But uh, jail can't stop us from podcasting, yo. Gang life. Podcast life. We what? hard, we criminal. Where are we going to sneak in the microphone? <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we had put out there for you guys for questions, um, but we kind of tailored it Dooku-specific, so we thought, hey, why don't we ask Kevin? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, did you want to add anything? So Ryan asked, uh, do you think if Qui-Gon lived that Dooku wouldn't have turned to the dark side? Did you have anything you wanted to say or anywhere on the fence you, you lie with that? Well, it didn't really work that much for Anakin. Like, when he heard Qui-Gon's voice. But I think he was kind of shutting Qui-Gon out at that point. Yeah, but it is a good point that we can't put Dooku's life choices on the shoulders of Qui-Gon. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, though, in the interview, the leaving the Jedi Order in the fall are two different things for me. Mm-hmm. I think he had valid reason to leave the Jedi Order. And I think he actually would have been a great leader outside of that. But I think that he had a lot of things that were, made him easy to manipulate to more fully yeah. accept the dark side. There's so much imagery of the dark side in, you know, the novel. The yeah, the audio novel. Yeah. And there's so much great, you know, conflict with Dooku. Right. Well, and it makes you wonder when did he get introduced to the dark? And when if you if you listen to it um or if you're going to listen to it, you'll kind of see mm-hmm. hope I mean, unless we're weird, but you'll kind of see what we mean in that where there's no definitive fall. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really happens is well, we see him There's a very literal fall. <laughs> yeah. Well, but uh the only thing that really happens is we see him leave the order, and I don't think that's a huge spoiler. Obviously, no. we knew that was going to happen eventually, mm-hmm. but and again, I don't think that's him accepting the dark side. I think that's him ha- acknowledging his problems with the Jedi and being like deuces, you know. <laughs> Later, you're not my dad, <laughs> right? But I think that because he didn't deal with some things that did lead lead him on that path. Mm-hmm. I, I I liked Kevin's point that like. I don't think I don't think Qui Gon would have left him alone Mm-mm. though, uh, in that instance. Um, but we don't know. Uh, I mean, how long between him leaving the Order and the Phantom Menace even yeah. is? We don't know if Qui Gon did try to reach out to him. I mean, would Qui Gon have seen that as a form of attachment that he should avoid? Like, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that. If Qui-Gon had survived, oh, hey, there's Sith mm-hmm. alive, the Jedi aren't listening, and let me... And one of them's your master, your former master. Well, no, I, I, he oh. wouldn't have known at that point. Yeah. I mean, at that point, yeah, he would have been joined by the Sith, but I think Qui-Gon would have reached out and been like, hey, I fought a Sith. Mm-hmm. It was pretty real, dude. And I think those times you talked about Yoda not listening yeah. about the whole Sith thing, mm-hmm. I kind of believe you now. Yeah, I, I, my Padawan cut him in half. It was really rad. <laughs> I really was... I would be interested to he, to see what uh, Dooku's response to that is. Is like, Oopsie wait, doos. wait, did you just say that the Jedi were wrong? Wait, did you just say I was right? What? Speak into this microphone. I wonder if that would have been enough to make him be like, hey, Master, you don't have to do these things to, you know, yeah. go after the Jedi because they're wrong. Like, 
there's other ways to do it than accept the dark side. Yeah. I feel like Qui-Gon would have been able to hopefully help Dooku see you're smarter than this. Mm-hmm. You're being manipulated. Come on. Uh, re- uh, interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah. I, it, it's almost to the point I wonder if it was something Palpatine planned to use mm-hmm. against Dooku. Like, this is getting into real super n- tinfoil hat theories, but it's like, if Palpatine somehow knew... He, sh- he would have known. He was the senator of Naboo at the time. Yeah. If he knew Qui-Gon was there, knew enough of the history to say, oh, that's Dooku's Padawan. We know Dooku was already under the wings of yeah. uh, Sidious at that point. So what if he was like, I don't think Dooku's fully committed. Make sure you... Because it seemed like Maul was obsessed with Qui-Gon oh, yeah, that fight. It definitely seems like he was going after Qui-Gon more. Right, and so I'm like... What if he was told to kill the master mm-hmm. for that reason? And and even with losing Maul, which Sidious did not enjoy doing, by the way, he did yes. not. He actually valued Maul a lot, which is funny which, considering how he turns on me too. Right, <laughs> I value um, him so much. Uh, I, I I value him about half as much as I used to. Hey. <laughs> Ray but, Park would not be happy. With you. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, my point being, even with losing Maul, what if he was like, an acceptable loss? Because, hey, Dooku, uh, how's that Padawan of yours? Uh, Looks like you got some nice legs. When, when did you last talk to him? You should talk to him. Yeah. Uh, call, oh, he's going to voicemail? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I wonder what's It's because he's dead. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, who let him die? The Jedi Order. Like, mm-hmm. like of course that's not tr- true, but... He left out the part where my Padawan killed him. Right, but, like... but tinfoil hat theory. It's like, I like that. I mm-hmm. li- because that wasn't a comic. That, w- that was the actual fall of Dooku in, in one comic where it's like, oh my gosh, the Jedi let this happen. I have to do something. I'll do anything because the Jedi have taken the one last good thing I had. Yeah. And because he talks it like... He talks up Qui-Gon so much of like, if anyone's going to change the Jedi, it's going to be you. You're going to be amazing. You're going to be better than me. And so for that, for for the Jedi to allow, quote unquote, I'm not saying they did, but in Dooku's mind, he sees it that way. Mm-hmm. Ugh, tinfoil hat theories, like, man. Thinking of the relationship that could have been between Dooku and Obi-Wan, or Ooh. even just like, we know that he respects him well, all that, throughout the Clone Wars. Yeah, well, and that's what would have been interesting, because I feel like Obi-Wan and Dooku would have really gotten along. They really would have, because they're both like that person. No, they wouldn't have in terms of politics, but I feel yes. like if anyone was be able to convince Obi-Wan politics aren't evil, it would have been Dooku. Exactly. It's just like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Papa Dooku, come on. Papa Dooku. Anyway, but, well, I'm glad we got, I, I'm glad we expounded on that. I think yeah. there's a lot of fun stuff with that one. Um, and Pumps then... Pep Dooku's knee. Uh, Star Wars Sessions podcast, great question. I was mm-hmm. glad someone else validated and, and hearing from Kevin, like, okay, I didn't want to say anything about the Harry Potter stuff because I was like, is he going to be offended? Is yeah. he, gonna, like, I, I wasn't sure how he was going to take it. So when other people have been saying that and he took it really well, I was like, okay, good, because I yeah. thought it was awesome. Yeah, and it was really nice. And I will say, I didn't want to say it in the interview because I didn't, I didn't know, you know, where that would fit in. But I definitely got some... I don't know if I'm, like, the only person in the room, in the Well, no, I'm room. here with you. Shush. 
who listen to the old uh, radio plays of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, you are the only person. <laughs> <laughs> because I had no idea those were the same. It was in the 70s. Like, before there was a That's, film. It's that were, old? It's that old. Wow. But yeah, it was... Oh, it's my favorite book series. And I absolutely love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think Rail is a little bit of a Zaphod Beeblebrox. Whoever's read or listened to those dramas, you'll get that. But Literally like, no one. No one. <laughs> but, like, it's... You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with making connections to things that you enjoy. No, no, well, I mean, because at the end of the day, the connection... Like, my biggest connection, like I mentioned there, was just the idea of there's an evil presence that was, and we're choosing to only acknowledge that it was, but not that it is. Therefore, we're not preparing mm-hmm. for what could be. Mm-hmm. That was the weirdest way to say that. I don't know why my brain translated words that way. But you got Yoda brain? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, funny joke. Um, <laughs> gosh. But yes, but uh, that that was my biggest thing because I just think back to the um, points in the books and the movie where it's like, hey, shouldn't we be preparing these kids? And it's like, why? There's nothing out there. There's no one out there. It you know, it's not coming back and all this. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's the same arrogant ignorance of. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. I mean, you guys literally fought against this evil. It wasn't that long ago. You know that people are capable of this thing, whether it currently exists or not. The dark side is there, so therefore the call of being a Sith is always there. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are you... Come on. So, that was my biggest thing. But, um, mm-hmm. I... I, uh, I loved the, the connection, because I, I loved that point. I loved that dilemma in the Harry Potter stories. Yeah, because that's such a real conversation of if if an issue's passed, do we still have to deal with it? And in in a lot of ways, yes. But there, you know, there's such a beautiful contrast of you can also over prepare. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's a there's a difference between four hundred one k and a bomb shelter. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> one is an over prepared yeah. uh, instance. But anyway, yeah, and getting that little look in, into kind of what made Sivadius. Oh gosh, I want more Sifidia stuff. That was incredible. I, I felt more. so bad for him throughout this stuff, but Poor we won't baby. we won't talk about it because we'll talk about it, but like not here. Well, yeah, I mean we will talk about it, but you yeah. can't be in on that until well we'll do we'll talk more about that in the review. Yeah. But that'll because that'll Which be a full coming. review, but uh, we yeah. won't talk about it here. Get so some if, get your spoiler pants on. Yeah, if you want if you want girls. the full breadth of our opinions of Dooku Jedi Lost, then YouTube yeah. gonna be putting up a review uh, in the next few days. We got some things to say. Yes. Um, we also have some cues to A. We have one Well, we have one cue uh, from, yeah. <laughs> uh, from, from Jesse. Yeah. Uh, Jesse at Game Infinite asked, how will Luke return, if at all? Yes. This is a good one. Uh, <laughs> yes. He sounded like a snake. <laughs> I'm a snake, a snake. Oh. Uh, what do you think? I think puppies are cute. Um, they are. But about the question, I I think we're getting a Force Ghost Luke. Luth? Shut up. We're getting a Force Ghost Luke. <laughs> it's Luke's uh, speech impediment <laughs> Luth. cousin. <laughs> Luth! That, that's the clone. It's Luth. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so oh, Force Ghost sweet. Luth. <laughs> sweet, merciful, ever-loving Jesus. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think Force Ghost's pretty safe bet. Um, yeah. Now, 
how involved are you uh, like some a little bit of advice or are you thinking like a few a few sit downs with Ray and such do you think there's going to be it's funny that you said Ray I think there's going to be a conversation with Ben Ooh. I hope Ooh. Okay. I don't know. That's my excited noises. I know. <laughs> that's why I say you need to take a nap. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be some kind of Luke trying to get in contact with Ben, and either he's going to push him out and Anakin yeah. shows up, or like... Right. It's like, it's like Dad, can you deal with this, Dad, this guy? Please. He's so much like you. <laughs> um, <laughs> he gets up from your mother's I don't think he's gonna. Family. I don't think he's going to talk to Ben in the movie. I, I hold to Ben's going to be stranded. I, uh, I'm hoping on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. We're going to see him farming some water and it's going to end with him walking up to the hill to see the sunset and the next shot is going to have Luke and Anakin and Yoda and Obi-Wan and maybe even Qui-Gon. Do um, you think it's going to be Ewan McGregor? No, I want it to be Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. Okay, I, got I want it to be consistent. Okay. The only reason I'm pushing for Hayden Christensen is because it'd be consistent. This special edition is the canon. Yes. Therefore, and Force Ghost Anakin is Hayden Anakin. And the reason that is is because that was the last time he was Anakin Skywalker. Based on your interpretation. Based on my interpretation. Yes. Like, I um, will debate that to the day I die. Like, yeah, that I mean, was... like, here's the thing. Even Sometimes the simplest answer is the answer. Why did he become a Force Ghost? Why was that allowable? Because for the Force chose to. He's exactly. the chosen one. Goodness, chosen like land. it's not. You're not going to get a, a code of ethics and arms for ghosting yeah. in Star Wars. I mean, it, it doesn't <laughs> work like that. Um, he's he's the chosen one. I I know that's not a great answer. I know that's not the best answer. It might be even a cop out in some people's book. Mm-hmm. But he is the chosen one. So um, also he had great hair. But I do I, I, I don't want that to be the only time Anakin shows up. I really yes. hope for a, a, a greater moment than that. But I do think he's definitely going to interact with Ray. And like I said, I just want that visual because I even yeah. if okay even if it's not Obi Wan, Yoda, and Qui Gon, that'd be great. But even if it's just the three generations of Skywalkers, yeah. What if I something I loved about uh, the Last Jedi? was how there was no lead up there was no fanfare to Yoda Yoda. showing up it he was just there well like luke turns and he's there i would love that if like we've got either ray or someone just talking we think that she's talking to herself or someone and she turns and it's anakin Mm -hmm. i'd love something like that yeah well and my my visual for it is and will end with this and kind of close but um, hopefully people are enjoying the free free conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's free. I mean, if nothing pace. else, Jesse, hopefully you're enjoying this. But Hi, Jesse. My visuals are, like I said, I see the Tatooine. I see the homestead on yeah. Tatooine. I see him tending to some things. Maybe we see that he's missing an arm or like some sort of battle scar. Ah, uh, yes. The Skywalker tradition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leia uh, is the only one with all of her well, limbs. I'm just, I'm thinking in, the, in terms of I don't want him to necessarily escape unscathed if he yeah. lives. Yeah. I want there to be some physical show of consequence. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's what it always represents. It's a representation of consequence. Uh, both Anakin and Luke rush into a situation and mm-hmm. there's consequences. Yeah. One of which is oh, no hand. Um, anyway, so you know, you see 
mm-hmm. been tending to some things and then you know sun's going down he walks up to the hill to see the sunset and we you know we're behind him and we see him looking you know to the sunset and then the, sh- the camera shifts to in, in we're in front of him now and there's Anakin on one side there's Luke on the other and then we hear Ray call Ben's name and we cut back to behind him and they're not there she doesn't see them yeah it's just that representation for us of the Skywalker name legacy is with him and yeah. peace and all that good stuff like that's my that's what I see in my head all the time yeah. it's not gonna happen gonna <laughs> it's if not it, gonna happen if if anything happens like the moment Anakin shows up if he does it's going to be one of those moments. Oh my like gosh, either yeah. It's going to be emotional. We're losing our minds, but also we're crying. <laughs> oh yeah, I expect to cry buckets. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring a bucket for my popcorn and my tears uh, <laughs> when it comes to episode nine, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so uh, thanks for that great question. It's a good one because, I mean, you know, you can go so far with I mean, We went way far with oh, it, yeah. but uh, we had fun with it. So thank you, Jesse. Uh, if you want a shout out and if you want questions uh, answered on the show, then keep mm-hmm. an eye out on our social medias for uh, those posts so that you yeah. can get in on that. We wanna, we wanna, we enjoy those. Yeah, and remember, you don't have to ask us questions over Twitter. There is a feature on Anchor where you can send us a voice clip if you hey, want, where you can be look featured at you on the being show. All smart and remembering a thing I didn't. Yeah. So if yeah. you download Anchor um, and set up a profile, there's a voice message tool, mm-hmm. and uh, any of the favorite, any of your favorited podcasts. So if you create an Anchor profile, favorite Nerd Herder podcast, you will show up on mm-hmm. the voice message tool, and you can send us a quick little um, sixty to uh, one twenty second uh, clip, and we can actually play that on the show. So if you want to just say hi, if you want to you know, share a question, mm-hmm. you can ask us through that, or you can also yeah. just say, hey. If you want to tell us I, your favorite color. Yeah, I did this really cool Star Wars thing, or, you know, what, yeah. whatever, you know, you, uh, we would yeah. love to feature those on the show, so um, if you, uh, Anger's free, yeah. easy to use, you can use it on any mobile device, it's really not that hard, and it's another way for you to help, uh, for you to interact with us, which yeah. is our biggest reason for the pot, I mean, we keep pushing that, but it's because, yeah. We don't this start is... the podcast to just talk at a microphone and yeah. share it with the world. We want we want you guys to share with us. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know it's not free, John. What? Cat College. Cat College is not free. It's not free at all. Um, Cat food's not free. Litter's not free. And, you know, we already told you guys, so you're basically um, accomplices in our plans to kidnap Kevin Scott. So we need bail money. So, yeah. Um, so in an effort to raise money to get... Uh, us out of jail and to send our cats to college while we're in jail uh, if you can head over to our Patreon page and check out ways that you can support the show on a monthly mm-hmm. basis and get rewards for it, uh, that would be amazing uh, because uh, yeah we, we, we need that bail money yeah. um, Rebecca and Jim, thank you for doing your part uh, on Patreon to helping bail us out uh, from our kidnapping charges uh, you, you're wonderful people, generous people yeah um, so thank you. Uh, so you can be like Rebecca. Be, be like Rebecca and be like Jim, okay? Because yes. number one... Love Jen Erso so, so very much. <laughs> yeah, love Jen Erso. Love, love Kylo Ren. <laughs> love podcasts. Donate, love donate to Cat College. Yeah. You, you know, and just just be awesome. Be like them and uh, head over be to Patreon. Be you can be. 
Um, um, basically, you know, I mean, base, yeah, like you instantly become more mm-hmm. awesome when you visit. It's a studied, scientific, mathematical, arithmetical thing. Okay, BuzzFeed. Proven. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 you're ten times more awesome just by visiting. And then when you actually donate to us on Patreon, you're fifty times more awesome. That doesn't get you free sandwiches at Subway, but it does get you our free love. Amen, sister. So, uh, <laughs> Patreon. That's been our best patron ad before, right. <laughs> just ever. And yeah. it's all true. Don't forget, on May 13th, it's going to be yeah. our first episode oh, of the Unmasked Podcast. So go ahead, go over to Anchor and subscribe to it there. It will also be up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the usual places. Wherever you're listening to this, it's going to be on there as well. Yeah, we're still we're still building it, but uh, it you know, and wait, it's close to Monday. Yes, it is close to Monday. Don't remind us, Catherine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> gee, Kathy. by Monday it'll all be put together, ready and yes. good to go. We'll, we we will share it out, and we'll probably promote it a little bit. Yeah, um, the first episode's going to be very easy, yeah. very chill. So it's, it's, listen to it while you're on the treadmill. We want to take the mask off of horror films and stories. Yes, and you know. Um, the analogy being that, you know, uh, a big um, de-escalator to scary things is learning that most of the things that scare us aren't really real. Yep. Um, it's just guys in masks. It's just animatronics. It's just stories. And so we want to kind of pull away from, oh, it's taboo. It's scary. It's evil. You know, you're going to hell because mm-hmm. you like scary movies. If we, I'm going to hell, it's not for scary movies. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, you know, we just want to... Uh, open our understanding of those things talk about what the good of those things and what we can learn you yeah. can learn things from I, I i without a doubt the three things i think most have a great commentary on society and what's happening in our culture is star wars yep comedy yep and horror and south park which is all three. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but yeah, I mean, there are areas where you can most see what's currently going yeah. on and what's happening in culture. And, and I think all three speak very loudly to how we can be better people and learn about how to be better people and so forth. So, exactly. So as much as we love to talk about how Star Wars influences, we have in- intense, insane conversations about horror movies yeah. and stories and all kinds of stuff so we want to basically just record yeah. those and share those and at the end of the first episode we're going to be teasing our next series our first series our first series yeah yes so um Maybe. if you like scary movies then uh if you like scary stories but if you also just like fun conversation yeah if you want me to talk at length about my love for brad duraf <laughs> yes get ready because there's a lot <laughs> um so we'll be we'll be telling you more about that but keep an eye out uh the yeah. unmasked podcast it's going to be um by yours truly uh, yep. very soon so we'll be sharing it on twitter soon um speaking of other things that we're going to be sharing out there uh as far as nerd herder which you're what you're which is what you're here for um comic reviews we're gonna have some um just kind of fun hangout videos yeah we're also gonna have our dooku jedi lost review and a lot more this week subscribe if you checked out our nerd herder newsletter last week then you would know that some of that stuff was supposed to happen this week and if you haven't kept up um last weekend i was sick this week we are he was a sick boy yeah this week we are out of town with work um and that's been busier than we expected it to be so some things have had to shift we're constantly trying to work on consistency and trying to be better at that mm-hmm. we always hate canceling or moving something around mm-hmm. but 
sometimes it can't be avoided. But thank you for being patient. But yeah. yes, um, things are getting moved around. So some of the things you might have expected this week are happening next week. But don't worry, it is happening. Um, and obviously, uh, this Friday we are doing Clone Wars, but we're actually doing two. Because, mm -hmm. again, I was sick last weekend, so I didn't get a chance to yeah. uh, record uh, with Herd Mom for that. Mm -hmm. um, and next week, we are doing something special to celebrate mothers. Uh, we're talking about Mothers of the Galaxy. Yes. And so it's a part of, I think it's like the fifth part. Yeah. Something like that. It's we, either the fourth or fifth part in our Women of the so Galaxy much, series. And we're probably going to do more. Yeah. we And we always say that. So yeah. um, we've talked about heroes. We've talked about villains. We've talked about rogues. And I think there was one other, but... Nonetheless, we, we are now talking about mothers uh, yes. and celebrating mothers of the galaxy and our moms mm -hmm. and um, all that good stuff. It's going to be special because uh, Sunday's Mother's Day, mm -hmm. so go tell your mom you love her. Um, yeah. if, and, or and, a female figure in your life. Yeah, or, or, or it, me. <laughs> I'm your or mom. your herd mom. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we have many moms that aren't yeah. our moms. I mean, um, I, so. I bought a Mother's Day card for a friend who is the mom friend. Yes. Yes. So, um... All that to say, uh, we've got some exciting stuff happening, yeah. as always. We're, it's always exciting. Heck yeah. It's always fun. And it's all for you because we love you. We and do love uh, you. thank you guys for listening, putting up with everything. Hopefully, yeah. you had fun with everything. There was so much in this show. So, hopefully, you enjoyed mm -hmm. all of that. But until next time, guys, unless you have anything else. Are you a fan of delicious flavor? I have been your herd leader, John Wayne. And I'm, I've been your herd mom. You didn't answer my question. Guys, stay scruffy, and may the force be with you. Jackal Switch.